The Dude Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dude Fox Podcast. I'm Ronnie, he's Paul, and Dylan Levitt is not only the best on earth, but he is home. It's good to be back, thanks to Abdi for listening last week, and hello to our new listeners to this complete and utter nonsense. Join the conversation on our socials, we're at Dude Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, pre-season continues, the silky Welshman returns, Fletch's man bun has to go, Sunderland tickets, rumour mill, the first loan of the season is confirmed, community trust, on this day with the Arab Archive, and Dundee United legend Morris Malpass is our special guest. It's all coming up on episode 150 of the Dode Fox podcast. Hi, I'm Kevin Gallagher, and you're listening to the Dodd Fox Podcast. Ooh, baby, do you know that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. They say in heaven, love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on earth. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. He's home. He's back where he belongs. Welcome that back most comfortable. to the award-winning Toad Fox podcast with the bum back, Paul McNichol and the suffering for nightmares, Ronnie Costello. Right, before we get to Mr. Levitt Lovin, because he deserves it, the bum back is back. What have you done now? It's just it's just never been the same since the daft walk for Edinburgh a couple of years ago. Uh, it's just an absolute nightmare. I'm getting, I don't care if it's sciatica or whatever, but I could do with, I could do with United's physio starting to look at us and patching us up and getting us back and working order on. Uh, it's, I'm in a, I'm in a bad place today. I'm, a, I'm on a lot of drugs, uh, all of them legal. Uh, I hasten to add, but may not be particularly prescribed to myself. And we'll leave it at that. And uh, you know why I was saying nightmares? I do, I do. Yeah, uh, hellish nightmares. Uh, Worse than the upside down world and Stranger Things, they nightmares for you, Rondo. Waking up to to that sight, but that's that's just the way it goes. I woke, I woke up to uh, next to Paul, face on a t-shirt again, and it was it was. I mean, cause of the weather though, there was no pointy eyes looking at us, so that was that was okay. a good thing, you know. That was a bonus. That yeah. was an absolute bonus. Uh, yeah. Big news this week. He's back. <clears throat> It's brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. Correct. We, like, we, we kind of got wind of it. I think everybody got wind of it. Uh, maybe last weekend at the start of the week, that it was looking likely. We didn't want to say that it was it was a definite last week when we were speaking about it, and it was still going to be uh, a, a hell of a, a good piece of business by the club if we were to get them. And we even played along with it because myself and you went on a Man United fans podcast speaking about Dylan Levitt and asking asking the host what is Man United's plans for him uh, this season. <laughs> Unbeknownst to us, he was probably up in the Fairmont at that point, uh, just kicking back and waiting on the, the actual signing. So great, great bit of business. Fantastic news. The guy himself seems extremely happy to be back. I think it's universally. Agreed that it's a great piece of business. Everybody seems happy by it. And uh, I can't wait to see him running out of Tangerine Top again. Uh, for people that haven't watched the uh, the thing we did on the Man United podcast, um, which has had a couple of thousand views, by the way, and it can't be for us, mm-hmm. to be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But we made this recruitment lot look pretty easy, though. Like, we, what did we have? Four or five Man United youngsters we, coming up? Yeah, and we rejected a, we rejected a couple, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we were negotiating openly for uh, Rashford. We said we would take him off their hands. Uh, we signed the boy Hannibal. Uh, James Garner, we said we'd have him on a trial. Uh, Shola Shortire, I think we've done a well. business for him. But we rejected Robbie Savage's son purely on the basis that he's Robbie Savage's son. Uh, so it was easy work. I don't know what Tony Asgard's been doing last summer. Like, <laughs> we only spoke to the person for 45 minutes and got out of that business dead up. I know. We were ready to go down and pile them in the motor as well. Exactly. No bother. Honestly, Tony, if you need a wee bit of help getting things out of the dotted line, give us a shout. We can clearly get it done, you know. Uh, but I think, again, I mean, it took a lot of, take a lot of criticism. On social media, do uh, Tony and and uh, not really the chairman and that, but this has been a, a tremendous week in terms of getting Dylan Levitt signed on a permanent deal. By the way, you know, tremendous. for two years, tremendous. but also bringing in Stephen Fletcher on a two-year deal as well. Yeah, yeah, we, like, we obviously touched on that last week, and I think I said that I was not completely sold on it because because of the age and whatever, but when you look a wee bit deeper into it and by that I mean you checked his stats and then sent us to them I sent them to me sorry uh, he's no missed many games the last couple of years so he's he's coming at us very fit he's still in shape I was over on Friday at St Andrews myself to tell the wee man to see what I thought was going to be training and a, a game broke it against Northampton so uh, yeah, Fletcher he's in good shape like he's, he's physically fit Uh He's in better shape than, say, somebody similar age called Charlie Adam. Uh, I think I'm in better shape than Charlie Adam, and I've got a bum back. So it's. I think this is only going to be a positive signing as well, Rondo. Whether or not he's, he's going to score 10, 15, 20 goals, I don't know. But he's going to give us something up front that we haven't had for a wee while. And also, I don't think you can downplay the, the contribution that he's probably going to make off the park, uh, setting an example to all the younger lads in the team. I mean, I know that they all, from what you hear, they all look up to Mulgrew because he's been there and he's done it. And I think I'll be very much the same with Stephen Fletcher. You know, he's, he's going he's gonna to set standards in training or help set the standards in training. And uh, I don't see many downsides to this deal at all. No. And again, obviously, last season, you had a, you had a good time putting Charlie Mulgrew down and you put Tony Watt down and you've put Jack Ross down and... Uh, but Fletcher, you weren't totally sold. But again, when you look at what's happened previously and also mm. what he's going to bring as well, because it's a total different striker from what we've had, you know. And yes. I know, yeah. you know, the boy Deutsch at Hibs has been spoke about quite a lot against Jack Ross, Newham and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, dare I say, Shafranco's name comes up every summer. But we're mm. that kind of player. How come nobody mentions Thomas Mickelson? I think he's working in... Uh... Asda, wherever he's fit. So that's probably how maybe and that's not no slight against people who work in Asda. Love Asda. But uh, uh football wise. But this is different. The different levels, yeah. This is, different levels. This is different. You, uh, you get a man massively experienced, you know, even at thirty five. Yep, internationalist, scored a shit ton of goals throughout his career. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the team. I really am. Mm. Uh, you mentioned you were over on Friday. Now he didn't feature because I think he was in Ibiza to about Sunday. Um, yeah, he, he was training but, on his own. But you're saying he's he's looking in shape. You said he absolutely looks in shape. Yeah, yep. He he'd finished his wee session 
away from the, the main pitch where the game was taking place. And uh, aye, he come out on his white with his brow with his T-shirt and you could see he's, he's rippling six-pack under his T-shirt. He, he's he's looked after himself. Just a six-pack guy. He's not worked hard enough just, to get the eight-pack, no. Just well, maybe the T-shirt needed to get lifted a wee bit higher than I can. It might have been a pair of pecs and two extra packs that I couldn't get my eyes on. So, nah, nah, but he's, he looks very, very fit, definitely. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the game on Friday? Ach, it was... Well, tell, came out, it was one all. Talk us through the goals. The goals? Uh, I would love to talk you through the goals, but when uh, when you talk your young lad to the game and you start watching it and it's, it's not really up to much, you know, he... The novelty of actually being pitch side watching these players up close, uh, it got a wee bit boring after 20 minutes for him. And he was he saw Peter Pollock playing down behind the goal. And uh, funnily enough, Fletcher had just finished his training session. So he was wanting a picture with them. So sure enough, being uh, the great father that I am, I was like, come on then, we'll, we'll go and get a picture. So he's standing next to Fletcher and I just hear a cheer. So that happened behind my back. So that was Niskanen's goal. Completely missed that. And then, who was it? And I can't mind what it was in the second half. But again, the wee man wanted a picture with somebody. And uh, sure enough, bloody missed it again. Unbelievable. So I went out that way, saw a one-all game, and saw none of the goals. Absolutely useless. And Big Lee was back in town. Big Lee was back in town, yeah. He, he was. He's looking very well. Uh, he popped over after it for a wee blether. Uh, he was up front for them. He was busy, you know. I think I think Edwards and Mulgrew handled him quite well. Uh, who else? It was a kind of for United. We played what I would say is like a strong, maybe the strongest team that we could play uh, in the first half. And then there was three changes at halftime. I think Declan came on, Logan Chalmers I think came on, Mochre, uh, and then Kujo come on a wee bit later on. There was mere subbies uh, towards the end of the game, so it was a good run out. I thought Kujo looked really good. Uh, I'm not going to say he stood out in the crowd but he looked very good when he had the ball I thought Deco was quite good uh, Mochre played quite well although some any of the Northampton players tried to break his leg we are ridiculous wasn't even a challenge Rondo like Mochre skinned him and it, uh, the boy just then turned into a Sunday league player and absolutely volleyed him because he got skinned so uh, like some people I heard were saying oh, that's a terrible challenge but that to me wasn't a challenge like, he was just booting him uh, Jack Ross was getting in a wee bit on the sideline with his moon boot on uh, up against the Northampton manager and the peacemaker was calling Calderwood I think he must be the assistant Northampton manager uh, so uh, like uh, it turned into a wee bit of a feisty affair but it was like a friendly is a friendly is it there's there's not really much on the line but it was good to it was good to see them back and obviously uh, the real Prince of Wales uh, was there on Friday and uh, he just strolled in. He, he only played the first half, probably because he's he's not done much training, I would imagine, in the last few weeks, but he absolutely strolled it, as always. Mm. Uh, they're off to Spain today for a, well, today's Sunday, as we record this, for a six day training camp. They're likely to take a, play a game there as well. And then obviously next Saturday back at Paradise uh, for the Sunderland game. I think the big thing is they can go and get a week in Spain uninterrupted you know what I mean I'm not saying be, and it'll be cooler than it is here <laughs> I'm not saying they get interrupted at St Andrews but there's no any other teams there I, would, I wouldn't have think yeah. you know you'll just get to focus on what you're doing there's no six foot six boys pretending it's their son that wants a picture or any of that they can just get a bit of graft and I, I believe it's been double and triple sessions as well 
for preseason. Exactly. Should be, be Rondo. And uh, easy for us to say, like, but like uh, genuinely, <laughs> yes. it should be. You know, fitness is uh, this is where you put it on the bank so that it pays off further into the season. Uh, so I uh, like if they are able, I dare say the three sessions, if they're doing three in a day, they're not running for three sessions in a day, they'll be in the gym or whatever, some of them. But uh, uh this is where you, you've got to do the hard yards, I would say. And uh, then we welcome English Championship side Sunderland to Tanadice, the first pre season friendly of the campaign uh, mm-hmm. Jack Ross in the Tanadice dugout the home dugout for the first time against his old employee employers mm-hmm. rather um, and tickets are on sale for it 15 quid for adults 10 quid concessions 5 of under 16s uh, details on the website dundereightandfc.co.uk and there might be a bohair amount of tickets left for Fleetwood I believe but uh, mm. uh, there's no been an update on that so I'm guessing there's still some Available, yeah. Well. Sold out, but oh, there won't there won't be many. Two two uh, two big games before. Obviously, we uh, we start the season, which it, although we've, I, I think basically because if you're a good team, you're not playing in that diddy group stage of the cup. Let's be honest. No, eh? no. Uh, but watching games start like yesterday, and you were saying the day, you know, well, is that game on the day? No, realised it started in whatever, you know, our first actions. Obviously, thirtieth of uh, July, Kilmarnock away. Uh, and then really looking forward to the following week, just Livingston at home. I'm not because it's Livingston, but just to kick off the season again uh, for a home game in the in the league, and then it'll be the European adventure. You know, it's going to be a quick. I think it's going to be a really quick few weeks once it gets going. I think August might pass us by pretty quickly. The way yeah. the games could uh, could come as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but I can't wait. Generally, can't wait. Like, it would have been cool, and uh, our our. Paul Martin said yesterday, I'd have been, you know, shite when they football. I'd have been buzzing for Bucky away. Basically, wanted an away date of Bucky on the Bucky, I think is what you wanted. And <laughs> exactly. Thank you. That, that's, we, we see right through you there, Martin. We see right through you. You weren't missing the football. You were missing the beer and now. <laughs> but it's, it's going to come around really quick. I, I generally can't wait for it. I just hope it's not as warm next week. Horrible to uh, well, it's meant to be about a heat wave uh, next mm. week, I believe. Looking at the weather forecast, so uh, bring it on. It's no us that's running about the park, sweating we're bollocks off. So, uh, bring the heat on. I'm no care. Top right, it's, it's, but it's good though. It's good though. It's good that the football is on the way back. Mm. Uh, this was always going to be our last episode before the football kicks off. Obviously, I've got Sunderland and then Fleetwood we'll speak about, and then we're right back in it. So it's 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 that exciting time of the season because we're all on the same points. Nobody's played yet. You've got nothing but hopes and dreams in your head until that first game of the season when you're absolutely stinking and then you're like, oh my God, we're fighting relegation here again. Oh, uh, didn't want so to repeat nah, that last season, that first absolutely, game. <laughs> absolutely not. No. So this oh. is the period of grace. This is the period of grace. And I think two great signings this week uh, and also, I think I'm, I'm going to say it's a, a really good move for for young Jack Newman as well to get put out on loan, uh, because I think McAnally up at Peterhead, he's he's proven before. You know, we, we gave them sheep, he came back excellent. We gave them Flynn Duffy last year, and he, he got loads of time on the park. Uh, so it remains to be seen what he's going to do when he comes back, whether or not it's another loan at slightly higher level, or if he's if he's going to make a, a stake for a claim in the squad. So Jack will get plenty of minutes hopefully up there. Uh, but for a United point of view, I think we're still we're still needing some uh, some bodies and definitely certainly a keeper. If we've just loaned 
our number two choice. Uh, I know we've got big Rory Adams, but as I said last week, he's only 18. He was on loan last year at a junior team, so it would be quite a step up, in my opinion. Uh, and like 18 for a keeper is very, very young as well. Uh, so I think there's still a wee bit of business to be done. Yeah, uh, the rumour mill was well, certainly last night is Craig Sybil set to sign a two-year deal. Uh, mm. Just left Livingston. Yeah. He was there for four years. Um, type of player, player number positions. Again, we're very, very light in midfield, as we've said, in terms of experienced players. Like, I think I've, I think we've, essentially, we've got a lot of time for young Elch and Chris Mockray and stuff, but they are still Declan. young. Declan yeah. Glass, still young, and you're needing guys that can play. And I think the, the thing with Sybil, I mean, just looking into it, is the fact he can play a couple of different positions, which I mm. think helps as well. So for me, on that basis, it's, it, I know people say that, you know, every signing should improve your squad and, you know, you kind of be blocking pathways to the young kids. But I think this is a move that makes sense in terms of he's not just a one position guy. Like he can yeah. play, you know, centre, he can play a wide a wee bit, he can play a bit deeper, he can play more advanced. And that just ticks a box that a bit of versatility doesn't go amiss. I still think, and I've said it, we need somebody that's a pure shite house playing in the, playing in the six, the four, call it what you will. Uh, but yeah. just somebody that'll kick somebody when they go past them you know well Sybil Sybil does a walking yellow card uh, anytime that he used to play us against uh, when it was Falkirk certainly he used to get on my goat uh, I can't deny that but I think when he was at Falkirk he was very highly rated uh, and then like I kind of I knew that he was at Livingston but I t he didn't really he struggled he last really, year I think he had Covid well, he twice was, he, was he was injured, injured. he had Covid yeah, yeah. So, so that's that takes care of that season I suppose mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm I'm not against the signing. It's no one that overly excites me. And my concern would be uh kind of what the, the opposite of what you've mentioned. Like is he going to be blocking the pathway for a mockery for Declan, for Archie? You know, if if we're if we're padding out the squad be boys like Sybild, where do these guys get their opportunity? That that, that would be my my concern. But it's one of them. It's a time will tell. We'll hear we and see. Yeah, and obviously, um, I mean, some of the reports as well that are speaking. I say I have classed him as a winger as well. So I, I'm not going to say he's know, a winger. That's certainly what some of the papers have classed him as. Again, no, it's one we definitely need because we're awfully short out there. So we'll see. Yeah, he's not a winger. No, no danger. <laughs> not in anybody's world. And uh, this morning, Charlton interested in Ryan Edwards. Yeah, I mean that that's that's an easy one to answer when they phone you just. To say uh, no habla inglés and put the phone down. And that, that's the end of that. that that's uh, non-negotiable, that one, from a fan's point of view. We can't be, we can't be losing our captain. No. I, I wouldn't be having that. Plus, I know everybody's, everybody will have a price and they could probably, well, certainly offer a better wage than what we could, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, I hope that one doesn't happen. No, I think that's a, a case of contract extension on the table, please, because he's out of contract next year. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know what, Rondo, you we're joking about it, but it could be, uh, we all know that agents need out float these kind of stories so that it could prompt their client's club mm -hmm. to get their finger out and maybe offer something up. But uh, I've no doubt that that's on Tony Asgar's list of things to do or things to look at, certainly. But just now, I think the priority has to be to get another few bodies in it, and certainly a goalkeeper. Listen, again, if they need any help getting deals over the line, we showed during the well, week, we just well, get it done. Well, there's a boy, 
Donna Rumor that struggles for a game who are in Paris, like just just say the word. Just say the word, we'll pick up the phone. We'll we'll go on a PSG fan podcast. We'll, we'll get it sorted. Just just start getting Easy work. getting stuff done. So we need to keep our uh, mm-hmm. certainly on numbers there as well, like you say, with just uh, Ericsson being left. Um hopefully the, the McGrath deal isn't dead. I would like to hope he's a different kind of midfielder that could play up front, play wide, play midfield as well. I still think we need a centre half in terms of numbers for a backup Should there. Because yeah. again, Lewis Nielsen was the backup centre half and he's away. Mm. So, you know what happens in there? Like I still think we need we need one there. Because yeah. if you're playing with a three, you've not got him. So Yeah, we've got we've got Ross Graham, we've got Edwards, and we've got Mulgrew. Liam Smith, Mr. Versatility, he's no one I would be overly comfortable seeing him at centre half, but I dare say that the, those within the club probably think he could do a job there. We've obviously lost. Well, I'm saying obviously. I, I think it's it's in the pipeline. We're not going to have the uh, the option of putting Butcher back there. I think he's likely going to be away. So yeah, I, I think I think we're only one or two wee issues away from really struggling in the in the back line as well. So it, that could be something that we're looking at, but. Yeah, I think I'm not sure what the rumours are on your page, Rondo, but it was obviously there was talk of Shankland at the start of the week as well. Like I was getting texts about Shankland coming back, and I'm not sure. Like you, if, as a fan, you wouldn't say no to somebody else coming in up front. But when you look at how many options that we've actually got, we've got Fletcher, we've got Watt, we've got Clark, we've got McLeod, you've got Logan Chalmers, and whether or not you think these guys are are good enough or not that's up for debate but that's five people that we've got uh, for the forward line can you really see we're bringing in anybody else I mean it depends what you're looking at are you turning down the opportunity to set, to to take back on Shankland or absolutely not that would that's stuff of dreams if, uh, in fact on the Dylan Levitt release video when whatever it was was pushing the trolley along the corridor I was really hoping that once he took his training tap and shut his door, that the boy would just turn around and it was going to be Shankland. Uh, but we weren't, uh, we weren't in a position to do that. That would have been uh, the best signing video I've ever seen. But unfortunately, it never worked out. Yeah, but I, I must. I mean, I would. I mean, if that presents itself, yeah, for me, I would. I would certainly take him. You know, and I know that. Hundred percent. You know, there's obviously a lot of talk and rumor of. You know the money involved, and the Belgians are still due us money, and they might write it off. And I know he's well. I know he's been kicking about transmit this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Big fan of Paolo Nettini, allegedly. Apparently mm-hmm. so. Yes. So it's in at them. It's, it's a real strange. Stranger things have happened. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. And um, yeah. you never you never know in football. Um, I'm not personally. I'd love it, but I also didn't see it. If you know what I mean. No, I, th- I think that's where I am. I absolutely would love it. Uh, you couldn't have turned it down if everything made sense financially. But yeah, I, I kind of see him. I kind of see him coming back. He does still have his house in the area, so never say never. Uh, but w- we will see. We will see. Come on, Tony, finger it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Community Trust have got a few events happening. The first one's a Euro Fans Night in. It's uh, this Friday's 15th of July, the Heggie. Uh, tickets are £15, it includes a curry buffet, entertainment for the band of directors. There'll be some legends in attendance as well for meet and greet. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say this, but the man himself, 
the man of the Heggy pile, Paul Heggerty, is going yes. to be there tonight, as is the goalie, is going to be there tonight as well. There'll be some Excellent. others. All the proceeds for the night uh, go to the Dundee United Community Trust. The bar's open, that's important. And entertainment's through until 1am. Tickets are 15 quid. There's a raffle on the night as well. They're a fiver and includes a new strip and hospitality as well. So that's a couple of that's that event's happening. And the second evening is that uh, it's an audience with still game star Paul Riley, who played Winston. Uh, that's at the Heggie as well. That's the 5th of April. Tickets for this are 25 quid, but a fiver for every ticket goes to the Community Trust. Details are on the Community Trust pages, social media, and on their website if you need to get any details on that. A lot are, you of, sure, are you sure it's sure it's the boy for still game and it's no the Arab Makam? It's no that Paul Riley. People are getting ripped off if it's that. Right, okay. I'd rather go to that end, to be honest with you. <laughs> Just sing Newcastle songs at a man night. That's that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, up the magpies. Um, <laughs> uh, I was just, you've totally thrown what I was what I was about to say. That, aye, a little birdie tells me that apparently the strip, which Abdi's moaning about, you included, yes. Mr. McNichol, Correct. Uh, Correct. might appear on the 15th of July. What do you mean, might? The 15th of July? Part the season right. started yesterday, lad. How is no for us? Yeah. We're on that cup. No for us. I was in any of my favourite shops today, B and M, and I saw Twa Burns walking about in with the Hale Dundee strip, another in with the away strip. Now so, I'm no. So hold on, no, they're they're walking about wearing toilet roll. They, they were like, obviously times are hard. Times are hard. Okay, but the fact remains that the amateurs up the road. Have managed to show the fans the strip. But they're off the shelf. They're off the shelf. We're bespoke. Well, <laughs> we better be. They better be building it up to be the greatest strip I've ever seen. I'm telling you. I mean, should have been shown by now, Rondo. Come on. Put it this way. It's going to look like a nice hockey tap. We are the sponsors that we've got on it. So we well, are. Right. Hey ho. Hey ho. If it brings money into the. That's kind of the, the club. That's kind of what I was like. And if well. it enables us to sign boys like Lauren Shanklin, then I'm all for it. Aye, I'm all for it. So yeah, I I do, and I said this uh, to somebody during the week as well that I don't really get the fuss about it. But then I've not got a burn asking me every five minutes. You don't have a burn, exactly. So, so um, exactly, just tell them the rehearsals and get them put to their bed. There you go. No, they could tell that, but then the old man goes away stewing on it because he really wants to see it. I know. <laughs> Jesus, um, we mentioned it last week. But smile is back for 2023. Uh, we are absolutely over the moon to be involved in the Dundee United Supporters Foundation night that they are putting on as part of it. You can get tickets for that night, I think, until the end of this week, exclusively for Foundation members. And basically, you're getting two for the price of one, because after the show of Smile, you get a live Dude Fox podcast show with some legends, hopefully some of the cast, uh, and MDLs that, uh, that's yeah. coming along. We've got ages to plan this in. So uh, mm -hmm. that's happening in February, but tickets are on sale now, and it's just that night for one night only. There'll be, uh, I was going to nearly put us ahead of Legends there, I can't believe that. Legends have played under the great man. Uh, hopefully, some of the cast that are involved in it, director, writers, actors, all this, and then us two arseholes will rock up, we microphones, ask some questions, we'll record it, and it'll go down the line for us as well. So there you go. Nice one. Win win. Tickets on sale uh, on the Supporters Foundation website, but log in before you buy them so it activates that you're actually a member. There you go. Nice and nice easy, one. yeah? 
Doddle. Doddle. Absolutely doddle. Just like signing players. Doddle. Right. A uh, bit of a short one for, for us because of this. On this day, still to come, but first, over the summer, we were absolutely delighted to speak to this man for our 150th episode. So our guest this week made a total of 830 competitive first-team appearances for United. He was the first United captain to lift the Scottish Cup. And he didn't get just one testimonial, he got two. Morris Malpass, welcome to the podcast. How are you, Morris? I'm very good, thanks. Now, uh, Paul just asked you off, Mike, we're not allowed to call you Super Mo. No, it's only the grandkids that I'm trying to get to call me that. <laughs> no, no, I'm just more Morris. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wee boy for Fife. I'll get the Fife accent in there, am I? A wee boy for Fife, never never changed, never will, so we'll just call more Morris. Fine. Uh, a Fifer, like you've said. How was it growing up in Fife in the 60s and 70s for you? Yeah, I was lucky. I, did, I stayed in the village, uh, town hall just outside Dunfermline. Uh, went to the local prime, run up to the local primary school in the morning to play football. Came back at lunchtime, run back to play football. Uh, after school we played football so you get the gist of it it was a village that if you never played football there was something wrong with you <laughs> um, and then in the summer it was we sort of got tired of the football it was the cricket and the golf so mm. that was me as a, a young kid sports daft supported them firm and my dad my granddad had a season ticket and my dad had a season ticket so me my dad my brother my sister went to the home games at that time, I could sit in the, the bars, uh, the barriers, you know, it was just two bars. So you parked your bum in the middle bar and you barely got your your chin over the top bar. Uh, They'd have been a good team back And then, I watched, yeah, Dunfermline were a good team. They had, in 65, they won the cup. Or they got the final of the Scottish Cup, sorry. They won the cup in 68. Uh, I never, my dad wouldn't take me to, to Hamden. Um, but i seen... Like guys like Alec Edwards and that, uh, Roy Barry, guys like that that could play, really good football players, and that was my team. Where does the where does that playing in the playground? Does, do you then go into boys club and that, and then it leads to getting picked up for United? How did that then happen? Well, I, I, I about ten year olds, I played with a team called Tron Heem that was just an area in Dunfermline. Um, one of the one of my mates played there, so I got dragged along. End up playing there, at under tens, under elevens, under twelves, into the big bad world. You know, I'd played played in primary school football. I was the weirdest boy in the world. Used to get kicked up and in the park. Um, then I, I started to get a bit more streetwise, uh, and it just developed for that. I moved from Tron team under twelves, under thirteens. I went to leaving Royals, Royals, which was leaving was the end of the earth from Dunfermline. Um, but again one of the guys I knew was playing there a goalkeeper so I went there played there a couple of seasons um, when I was at leaving Royals I got noticed I went down to Leeds United on trial I went down to Man City on trial um, Jock Speed who was a scout the five scout for Dundee United he had me up at Tannadice which was great because I stayed with Jock Jock was a uh, uh, janitor across at the uh, St Andrews University in the physics department so I stayed with him and Mary um, and Jock's second love was golf well guess what that <laughs> was the same so I, I, I was a pig in the mire across there 
got a tree like a king. Went to Tannerice, Jock took me across, Jock come and picked me up. As soon as we got back, we got something to eat and then we were away down. Again, I was 14 years old, playing the old course every night as though you Jock could get on. So we'd play three or four holes every night. I thought I'd die and go to heaven. <laughs> and then obviously, I signed at United. Um, my dad, my dad wouldn't let me go full time unless, you know, I'd, I'd some behind me. I was, I was clever at school. I was bright at school. Um, so I got an offer to go to Aberdeen. Uh, Billy McNeil was Mars at the time. My, my parents went up. We had a, a lunch with uh, Billy and <laughs> half the first team. We Gordon Strachan signed that weekend for for Aberdeen. Um, I was I was still training at Tannis. So I would come up uh, on a Monday night. Derek Stark used to pick me up. Starkey worked in Kinross. I would get my dad to take me up to Kinross. Dropped off. Starkey would bring me to training. Uh, it was Dodgy was part time. Derek Addison was part time. Bobby Robinson was part time. Uh, obviously Starkey was part time. So there was a squadiers. So you just run your legs off in the pitch. Okay, on a Monday night, I was could hardly walk on any Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, and that was my introduction to the, the big boys sort of training and that and I would come up during the holidays and at that time there wasn't any training with the kids you got thrown in with the first team and there wasn't such a thing as um, the first team trained the one pitch reserves trained the other pitch you all trained together if there was too many you know some would get popped aside but you know my wee gym wanted everybody involved so you know, sixteen-year-old kid, and I had guys like Big Alan, eh, Forsyth, Big Elvis cutting holes in you. You soon learn not to take too many bad touches. <laughs> Oof. And you got guys, uh, you know, George Fleming and that who were made you a bit more streetwise. And so, what was it like yeah. meeting uh, Wee Jim for the first time? Well, t- <laughs> I found it strange. I was a part. I'm going to say it's a part-time training with the, with the you know, the pros. Mm-hmm. And we Jim sat in the box. I don't know if you remember, there used to be a box behind the goals. That yeah. was we Jim's office. And he used to sit there and used to watch every training session. And then just as you were finishing, he would disappear. Oh, strange. All we'd done was run. Um, but he wasn't slowly telling you if you weren't to keep him up. <laughs> but he never he always spoke to you he was always decent I remember one Sunday I was injured still hadn't signed for United at this time uh, I was and my dad uh, my dad knew Andy Dixon Dicko was a mm-hmm. a fifer and my dad knew him so Andy had phoned I'd, Jock Speed had phoned the club and said that I'd got a knock uh, on the Saturday and it was killing me so up I come and my dad came with me we were in the uh the physio's room at Tannis, which is right next to the, it's a part of the home dressing room. Door was shut and uh, we, <laughs> we Jim came in and just again, went went mental. The reserves or the kids had played that day against somebody and had done very well, so we Jim was in and ripping the backside at them. My dad says, what's that? I, said, oh, I think that's a manager shooting. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then, still hadn't signed really. Uh, we jump phoned the house one Friday night. I wasn't in, and uh, they asked me if I'd play in the reserves on the Saturday. 
And my mum, my mum took the phone and uh, Jim said, I'll phone back in a wee while. My mum says, I'm fine. My mum was in the border backside if it was, it could have been wee Jim, it could have been again, Jock Steen, it could have been anybody you liked. Oh, my mum didn't bother about things like that. <laughs> so wee Jim phoned back later on, I still was and he, he started going off on one. And my mum just said, we'll stop there. And my mum went off on one to him. <laughs> so I got picked up at the Garwinan Hotel. Uh, at that time, the reserve stopped for a pre-match meal, like the first team. Mm-hmm. So I go, I go into the bus and <sighs> what he says, made a bit of an impression on the manager last night. <laughs> I says, I never spoke to him. <laughs> well, you know, me and mum did that. <laughs> we used to rub me up a bit sometimes, a bit. You know, my mum sort of admit. <laughs> When I came up to sign, it was a Monday night, and uh, at that time we played, like if you remember, it used to be Tayside Reserve League, Monday night, I was the kids played, and my mum and dad came up, we just sent my mum and dad down to the steakhouse uh, for a slap up feed, my dad never even seen the game, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I come back up, or when they came back up, we just took my dad aside and wanted to get me signed and by that time, we th- realised that the Aberdeen thing had fallen through uh, and I'd got a place at uh, Bell Street uh, Tech, Bell Street College, mm-hmm. to do electrical and electron engineering. So it, it sort of all fell, fell in place quite quickly. Although I'd been up at Tandy's for probably a couple of years, in and out the building often, um, I was never, never signed. Um, was that an issue then? Like the fact that you were only going to be part time was no, no. Uh, we Jim, we Jim was quite happy. My dad, my, well, my dad, I just told him straight to his face, "You're not becoming full time until mm-hmm. he's got some behind him." We Jim thought I was going to do probably a couple of years, um, and I'd done five years, mm-hmm. and in a way that get that got me through all my the ugly first years, uh, the story. I got, after the first couple of games, you know, you get picked. Uh, we jump. He told me after one game, he says, I hope you enjoyed wearing that shirt. You'll, <laughs> you'll never wear it again. <laughs> okay. So I come up on the Monday night. At that time, it, I was up at college. So I was staying staying with Jack and Jenny Shepard. United, a fantastic family. Um, and Union Street, and Union Terrace. So I trained Monday, Tuesday, Thursday night. Wednesday, I never got, well, there weren't too many lectures, so that was my day catching up all my coursework in that. Uh, so my week was quite planned, and we Jim used to go off on one. So I'd come up on the Monday night, and he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't even speak, you know, he wouldn't, he'd walk in the restroom, he'd walk past you, <laughs> speak to somebody else. And then the Tuesday night, I'd get the curly finger up the stairs to say, Look, I've had a long think about this, I think you should get yourself another club. You're not going to do for me. I said, okay, not a bummer. So <laughs> Thursday night it would be up the stairs, kind of that B mal pass is he is he in yet? When you went in up the stairs and uh, I'm going to play on Saturday. Okay, great. He says you've got to do better than you done last Saturday. Okay. I was a timid boy, kind of boy for a village in uh, Fife. Timid, I was. Wasn't it streetwise? Mm-hmm. But I was quite determined. So, 
I used to say to my dad, that's me being released again. He says, well, you just be going back again because <laughs> you're not getting released. You're not taking it because you've no other place to go. You want to be a football player, so get your napper onto it. Mm-hmm. And get. I played on the Saturday, half-time with Jim go. I can't believe I played you. you. You're taking the piss out of me. <laughs> and I had guys like Hamish who would take the blame. You know, if it was ever my fault, Hamish would put the hand up and say, it was my fault, it was my fault. And I went through that scenario for that he can remember against five or six games, and then he, somebody else must have got in the team, and he went to them. Um, now I, I'm sure if I'd been full time at that time, I wouldn't have been able to handle the abuse on the Monday, and the Tuesday, and the Wednesday. Yeah. But because I had the college to fall back on, or the college to concentrate on, knowing that I had to get a decent degree to get a decent job, you just went into automatic pilot. You went yeah. the next day. The guys in the class were great because I missed I missed a lot of college lectures time because I was away playing maybe reserve games at night or I played with under six under seventeens under eighteens Scottish team so I was away quite a, a lot and not really well I wasn't playing the first team at that time um, so it helped me I still think it was the best thing I'd done but the best thing my dad ever done for me was send me to college because it took the pressure away for the first couple of years of training mm-hmm. you weren't in the first team but you were getting pellers yeah. constantly as what I used to say to us I saw you know it's a test of character it's character, it's character building nowadays it's just called abuse really well you wouldn't have got away with it well days. you didn't you wouldn't have but at that time that was okay it was a done thing mm-hmm. next thing I know get a, a phone call I need you to be up this afternoon at half past one or something. I said, well, Gaffer, I said, I've got lectures. Well, half half one or you're released. <laughs> so way up, I went at half past one. And they were playing against Scotland under 18 schoolboys. And he had thrown a team together and I played. He says, you're going to play right back. I think a couple of weeks before that, I'd played in the reserves in the League Cup doing it at Falkirk. And we Jim's quote to me straight after the game, you've got man of the match, son. That's for the wrong fucking team. <laughs> <laughs> he said to me, didn't you think you're going back in my bus with a performance like that? And I remember my dad, my dad, my dad came in most of the games. My dad was sitting in the car park in the car. I'd run out and go and speak to him. And I said, dad, any chance of getting a lift to the train station? And he's like, How's that like, son? He said, I says, well, manager's told me I can't go back in the bus. He says, did you come in the bus? Said, of course I did. <laughs> well, you're going back in the bus. Grow some balls and get in the bus. I remember walking up the steps onto the bus. I'm going to get a roast in here. Mm-hmm. And I got a glare. I, got a, I can't remember what he said to me. But it was probably just a couple of swear words. <laughs> I went back up the bus and... Uh, I never played for reserves the next game. I wasn't even in the squad. Uh, and then I got huckled up to the Scotland schoolboy game, played right back, played reasonably well. Fortnight later, he says to me on the Thursday, I'm going to play in the first team. So I went for being absolute shite, crap. And getting released. <laughs> getting released uh, for a first six or seven uh, attempt, well, uh, attempts to... 
suddenly being a youth player at the time. The one thing I will say, he hated me being part time mm-hmm. and having to play me all the time because when well, I was part time and getting nearly a full time wage, mm-hmm. and then when you put a bonus on top of it, and I was, yeah, you felt sorry for some of the first team that were full time. Some guys, uh, they weren't getting in the first team squad, uh, they were struggling to pay their mortgage. Uh, and it, it was strange that way. Um, but, see, once I got in, I was lucky as well that uh, Watty took the under 21 team. So I, I played for them for, no. Well, eight games or something, which is a lot. But Jock Steen happened to come along to be the under-21 manager, uh, the full squad manager. And he used to say, ah, we Jim says you're doing well. Now, for Jock Steen to say some of that to somebody like me, well, that was me, I was, uh, although I was never a streetwise cocky wee boy, well, I took that as great, a great compliment. Mm-hmm. So that, that got my confidence going uh, by that time, I I was a bit more streetwise, but I wouldn't say cheeky, but I would stand up to be Jim because I knew I'd nothing to lose. I'd get a job someplace, and I would go and play part-time football someplace. People never realised this, that years ago, just about every club, apart from Celtic Rangers, possibly Aberdeen, had full-time, uh, full-time squads and part-time squads. So... I never had any doubt that I, just because Jock Steen says we Jim says you're doing all right. Now if we Jim says that to Jock Steen, I must have been doing okay, and I was getting a game for under twenty ones and that. So I'll be all right here. <laughs> and it, it was one of the things you just just got. I, I was like a bad penny. I just kept on turning up and playing. I clicked on quite early. What what I had to do as a defender, uh, I was lucky. Played with some really alongside some really great players, defenders. Um, Hamish got me through games that I shouldn't have got through. Um, Big Sash, Heggy, um, and then you had guys like Eamon Bannon that if you were struggling, you just gave him it, and Eamon was running a bit daft with it for 10 minutes. Uh, so I went for being absolute crap to keep my place, not really worrying about am I going to get a game on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was interesting that you said uh, when you told your dad or you asked him can I get a lift and how you want a lift because I'm not no allowed on the bus like it must be a generational thing because I, I, I would imagine these days if a manager says what he says to you the parent would say is that is that right? Right, man, we'll hear a word with him uh, well, other than your old man just uh, saying my dad told, oh, just get back on there get, uh, you sure? My dad was a joiner had his own joiner's blacksmith business with my granddad uh, and I could honestly say he was he was a fair, fair man, but he was tough. Mm-hmm. If I went in, in the workshop as a kid and I was mucking about, he would turn the hammer around the other way and you got scalped with the, <laughs> with the, the shaft of the hammer. Mm-hmm. It's not a place to muck about. There was no mucking about with him. If he told you something, he only told you once. Um, but for me, he was great because when I, when I did start playing the first team, you would get a bollocking after a game. I got to the stage... And I think everybody was at the stage that we, I learned as I got older that we used to count the squares and the 
it was like a par parquet flooring on the dressing room floor. You used to count the wee squares. <laughs> and if you got to about 100 and you, you were still shouting, you, oh, you've had a bad game. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the ones. And then you'd get in the car and my dad was diplomatic. How do you, you think you'd done the day, son? Well, wee Jim says I was crap. He says, well, I've seen you play better. But my dad never ever came out and slaughtered me. He was always getting very positive with his criticism. He said, you'll be all right Monday. You get yourself back in on Monday. Mm. Uh, and was he fully aware of like, the grief that you and the rest of the players got? Nah, did, did you tell him the hell story? I, I told him that you know, the, day, the day he had been up at Tannis, the, the Sunday he came up in Tannis when I was in. Uh, uh, the shouting was worse than that. <laughs> and he sort of, not very sure if he believed me. Yeah. Can yeah. You, to explain to you your dad that your manager's froth, frothing at the mouth shouting at you <laughs> and him believing you is well there's a wee bit in between isn't it <laughs> uh, but my dad was one of the ones that just said oh, get on with it get on with it get mm -hmm. on with it and I just kept on getting on with it I suppose you were you were obviously really young when you have that first kind of experience with, with wee Jim but could you see as you got older how some players just couldn't hack that side of it but you see that, See, when I was there, at the very start, well, you go, my first game against Airdrie, wee boy, nervous wreck, slipped uh, at the side of the park when I was doing my warm-up. And I cut my cut my knee. Uh, there used to be wooden planks down the side of the pitch, mm -hmm. framed the pitch. Yeah. And I cut my knee. So <laughs> I'm in before the game getting stitched up. We Jim going daft at me. Which in a way, the cut was probably helpful because I sort of forgot about the game. Uh, and it was my first game was against Airdrie and Jimmy Bowen decided he was going to teach me what Scottish football is all about. <laughs> and I went up and headered that and Jimmy Bowen followed through and elbowed me and caught me in my eye. And half time, I never heard the team talk because I was through getting stitched up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When you're you're there, and it probably happened to happened a lot. You just you really become immune to it. Mm. And phew, well, that's how it's going to be. How am I going to handle it? And at that time, small squads, Maros tight as anything. If you were getting stuck one day, everybody else would come and help you. If somebody else was getting stuck, everybody else would go and help that person. Mm. And on Monday, if you'd had a bad game on a Saturday, on Monday you had to be in, you had to be bright, and you had to be good at training. A lot of times you you were petrified to go on on a Monday. Um, no another day getting abuse. Because mm. sometimes that was the case, didn't matter how well you'd done, on Monday you got abuse because you had played badly on the Saturday. Um, but it wasn't until... Well, Tom Coyne was one. I, Tom joined Dundee United, um, myself... And my wife, Maria, we got friendly with Tom and Alison. And Tom was a right good football player. Mm -hmm. Couldn't handle wee jump. Couldn't handle wee jump. And after five or six weeks, we, uh, uh, Tom Tom said to me, he says, ah, this is not for me, I can't, can't cope with this. And he, you could see him, he shriveled. Mm -hmm. And he was bright when he came. Can 
score goals for fun at training and score goals obviously in games and that but you could see him he shrunk and shrunk and shrunk Harley scored a goal in training Harley got a kick the ball in training some of the days you would have thought Tam had just been getting a punter coming in and because I knew him and we were pally with him yeah it was hard and that's when the penny started to drop with me by the way there's some about our team that's special because we all could handle them mm-hmm. or as a group we made sure everybody could handle them but Tam just and there was um team players that came you know I, I've seen Tam because I was, I'm friendly with him his, his name's um, came up a few times though I, I'm saying yeah. he was he was probably and I was I can't remember old I'd be 23 or 24 or something and I was just at the stage I was <laughs> starting to see a bit of bigger picture Um you know, everything was quite insular with us as a group of players. And before we went abroad uh, on, a, on a Monday for a game on a Wednesday, we went out on a Saturday. You know, if somebody, somebody's wife had crossed the street and never got knocked over, it was a, it was a, a smoker for the boys. <laughs> and we all went out, and it was never a case that it was only three or four turned up. Everybody turned up. Mm-hmm. You put your, again, you put your couple of quid in the kitty. And if you wanted to stay there all night, you stayed there all night. If you wanted to stay for a drink, but everybody turned up. And then the banter for the Saturday night continued on the Monday. We went abroad on the Monday, and it was just a hoot. Okay, we got to where we were playing. Some of the older boys would maybe get to go for a pint. We'd start playing. I remember when Trivial Pursuit started. Yeah. If you never put the full stop in the right place, Bannon didn't give you the question. <laughs> well, I can tell you the pies and the, that got battered about all all over many countries. Uh, sitting on a Monday and a Tuesday night, uh, there were a car school. Uh, it was a travel pursuit lot, um, and it just became. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, you were playing in big big games, but the big big games happened to come after all the fun. We trained well, we didn't, didn't get me wrong. But it wasn't, a, you went in for the Monday, you were oh, panicking about who would play Borussia or something. Mm-hmm. It was, well, what happened on Saturday? There was always something happening on a Saturday night. Some idiot done something stupid. <laughs> uh, or somebody got a knockback. Or, <laughs> yeah. And it went like that. You know, the Monday, we trained early in the Monday morning. They always went uh, Monday afternoon. And the, the banter that got us through, can we luggy and dodgy and and Kirk and Eamon, they're a pair of sweetie wives, you know, they getting the price a loaf of bread and all that kind of stuff. And he used to wind guys up. Uh, but Kirk and Eamon were against Dodds and Luggy for the winds up. You were under pressure if the four of them went on top of you and tried to wind you up. You couldn't say anything. And myself and Derek Murray and myself and Derek Stark, we were called the Boulder Brothers, getting rock and gravel because we were fifers. And we'd come on the bus late uh, uh, and you get criticism and you just had to sit there and take it because on a Saturday night we went out <laughs> but it was one of, you knew it was fun you knew it was a carry on and you sat and took it and then ah, we're bored with them we'll go to somebody else <laughs> uh, and it was just it was just really enjoyable you know the training was hard but we could cope with training uh, the games were hard majority of times we could cope with the games and we had a ball and after the games abroad it was was none of this any of your beds, lads. It was, well, the bus is leaving at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Be on it, tracksuit and whatever colour of T-shirt. And be in a state, and don't be in a state. A number of times we've had to 
pack people's bags. <laughs> uh, I'm going to drop names here. We lucky was always bad for that. <laughs> uh, pack his bag and literally drag him onto the, the bus to make sure he was on the bus. Um, and we just had a ball. Mm. You know, the, the, some of the stories, some of the trips we were on. It was just a hoot. But obviously, it turns out if we got beat. No, if you got beat, one nothing because we were always confident we could score when we came back. But you know, if you got beat, but more than that, or if you got, got actually knocked out that round, well, it wasn't so funny going out after the game. Um, but that's that just developed. When uh, you went out, did you did you just go out locally, like in in Dundee City Centre or that? And if you did, did you get any bother? Well, at home games, we never went out. No, right. it was just away games when we went abroad um, and Dundee United whoever done their travel the person never ever looked at a hotel it was city centre mm-hmm. we stayed on in the the sticks didn't matter where we played um, and there was very little happening around about us <laughs> so at times it was a struggle to get get some place to go can get a bar to go to um, or would you if if we couldn't get any place to go, we sat in the bar in the hotel mm-hmm. and the manager would come and buy us a drink. You know, as long as you put your shift in and you've won the game, um, he would come and buy a drink. So that helped as well. You know, there was never any worry. You got to carry on and then we'd go again the next day, you're flying back. When I was still part-time, I had to fly back and train on the Thursday night. Um, so that was, uh, that was us with you know, the foreign trips. Um, I could tell a few stories about the goalie and that, but <laughs> <sighs> he's a character. That's for no, sure. I've got to tell one. We played Borussia, uh, Gladbach. It was the first time, um, or the first leg, I should say. And I was—I think there was only fifteen stripped at the time, or sixteen stripped at the time. I was the seventeenth body. I got the the stress of carrying the, the club briefcase which contained everybody's passports and umpteen thousand uh, well it wouldn't be euros at the time Marks, maybe francs or whatever or so you sat with that between your legs and the dugout and um, playing away against Borussia and it was we got beat 2 nothing, two crosses it's the goalies is it fuck <laughs> and whoever it was headed it in so we're back at the hotel and uh, and the banter starts. Because the young boys, it was always young against the old. Um, used to wind each other up, but the old boys used to wind us up. We used to try and wind the, the old boys up. But <laughs> so we're winding Hamish up. We're calling him Billy Bunter, which, uh, thinking back now, was stupid thinking to start. <laughs> so we had our dinner, went up the stairs, our car school started, and we're, we kept on calling him Billy Bunter. And the goalie snapped, and he says, look, I've had enough, I've had a bad game, didn't want to hear you. Aye. So later on, we're calling him Billy Bunter. <laughs> I'm saying, okay. So the next thing, he's charges down the corridor. I was rooming with Derek Murray, into your room, shut the door. You all right, Billy? <laughs> oh, the, the door fell on top of us. <laughs> I said, oh my God. <laughs> so 
I dive between the two beds, two single beds. I dive between the beds thinking I'll get under a bed and he'll never get me. Well, I couldn't get under a bed, could I? <laughs> so he just battered me. He absolutely panned me. <laughs> and then he picked up my mattress and he rolled my mattress up <laughs> to about the size of a football. <laughs> and he pushed it. He opened the window. Or that can't many stories up. Five or six stories up. And he opened the window and he could just squeeze it through and he pushed it <laughs> oh how are you going to get that eh? so I remember coming through the corridor or coming through the front door we Jim always sat at the front door with the staff to make sure nobody got out <laughs> well, here's the wee Pfeiffer walking in through the front door with a mattress under his arm and I got caught I got collar he says hey what's all this about and I had to say ah, Okay, I didn't want to say Hamish done this or Hamish done that, but <laughs> he says, you better tell him. I says, well, I'm giving Hamish pelters or a bit of stick, and he done that to my bed. <laughs> That'll teach a lesson. A bit more respect to the older boys. <laughs> so, I say, we flew back on the, the Thursday, Thursday lunchtime. I had to go training at night. <sighs> or I, said, I was in bits. <laughs> I says to Andy Dixon, I says, Andy, you have to have a look at my side. It's killing me. Says, you never played last night. I know. <laughs> so I had a wee bit of an altercation with the goalie. <laughs> and Hamish was famed for, for having hooks at guys and battering guys. And you used to get your head and batter the wall against, your head against the wall during gate at, at half time. So Andy had a look at me and said, ah, the goalie's done a good job. He's just bust one of your ribs. <laughs> so I had to go out onto the pitch. It was a Thursday night. So we did get a bit of ball work and kid on somebody bumped into me. The wee Jim's in the box watching. And he says, you better make it look good. <laughs> uh, so I ended up when I played for a couple of weeks after that because the goalie battered me. <laughs> he kept that quiet when he was on with us. Uh, so really I, see, that's the thing he denies it. I never done that. I never done that. <laughs> uh, you done that. <laughs> that's incredible stuff, I tell you. Uh, there'll be plenty more stories, I'm assuming. But um, one season, we may as well start 82 83. Um, one of the first games apparently you played according to Paul's research was against Kevin Keegan who was the football of the year when he was at Southampton apparently so that's who you played in that one mm -hmm. and then you finally start the season Aberdeen at home the team's got Ralph in it Luggy, Dodzy, Kirk is in there who scored a 25 yard screamer was, that day against was, Jim Layton I was, well I keep on friendly with Jim Layton so I keep on reminding them that it gets a bit further every time we speak. <laughs> um, but that, it was, you know, you had all the superstars in the team, the Bannons and the, the Kirkwoods that scored goals and the, the, the Dodds and uh, the Sturricks, the, the superstars, you know, the posers. And you get the wee Pfeiffer, the wee defender <laughs> who runs up the park and hits one in for about 25 yards just to get the ball rolling for a season. <laughs> you know, they were struggling, obviously, and I went up the park. God knows what I, why I was that far up the park. Um, but that was us. Yeah, I scored the first goal of the season that year. I got us on the ball, and I well, got the ball rolling, and off we went. Do you remember what your, what were your thoughts have been going into a season like that? Like, would you have thought just play as much as you can, just try and be a pain in well, Jim McLean's arse for, to pick you, that no, kind of thing? Or? Well, the thing was... Your goals at the start of every season was you, you. You had to get into Europe. That was that was probably the the biggest thing. Um, and to get into Europe, you always had to get to a cup final or finish. I think it was third. So I don't care how many years we done that for. We've done that for umpteen years. But that was your 
your goal, your goal every week was to play well enough so you could play the next week. Um, there was none of this asking for a rest or uh, saying you're tired. Um, it was make sure he thought you had played well enough on the Saturday to deserve a game the following Saturday. Uh, as a defender, well, when I first started playing um, as a defender, it would be up to Heggie and David Neary to make sure we never lost, and Hamish to make sure we never lost any goals. And I could say, well, we never lost a goal. And then you develop a wee bit and I would get judged on the number of crosses that came into my box no, opposed to, as opposed to now you get judged the number of crosses you put into the opposition box. Uh, it was all about, there's too many crosses coming in for your side, you get it fixed. Oh, you know, play next week. Simple as that. And then I was one of the, well, they kept just sheer luck, I played against David Proven uh, for Celtic. And uh, played well against them. So every time we played Celtic, I played. And then we played against uh, Rangers, played against Coop, done reasonably well against them. So always, every time we played Rangers, I got a game. And it's amazing. <laughs> uh, the way the, the, the fixtures were, you only went four or five games and you played Rangers or Celtic. So I got a game quite quickly if I had been dropped. And I just kept on playing. I just, one of the ones, never had, never. I wasn't. I was a thriller. You wouldn't get get out of your bed to come and watch me play, um, but I was a part of a defensive lot that we knew what we we're up to. And being fair, the rest of the team defender. It wasn't just the back four or back five. It was the rest of the team, and my job was to get the ball and get to someone like him. And or if you played behind Ralphie, give it to Ralphie. I'm no bother what anybody says. I couldn't catch Ralphie to overlap him. I could barely catch him to overlap him. So. Guess what? I never overlapped anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I found that quite easy. And at times when I did go across the halfway line, I got shouted at. Where are you going? <laughs> so I never went. So it was quite easy for me to keep a reasonable level of consistency that kept me in the team. Do you remember a point in that season when you thought, we've got a real chance here? Do you remember when it was? Obviously, we got see, beefy Celtic, which was a big turning point in the April. Yeah, see, I was, that was part time. So I, I never got involved in all the chit chat with the guys. Mm. That turned up for games and played. But we went to uh, Parkhead. I think Goffey got sent off that night, didn't he? We won the game. Uh, and sorry, for then on in, it was, oh, well, we've got a chance here. Um, we'd went through the season, I think, how many games we'd went unbeaten. And the next game, was a bigger game and we won it the next game got a bigger game went to Morton Hamish uh, hurt his calf had to come off and Heggie went in goals and and Heggie was taking crosses at halfway line <laughs> uh, and then obviously you, you come to the uh, the game at, at Dens um, I, I was young and naive really young and naive um I can't remember much about the Dens game because I was so wrapped up in it. Mm. I'm not saying nervous, but I was nervous. But I was so wrapped up in it. I can't remember too much of the game. I always remember off his goal, but I can't remember too much of the game. Uh, and after the game, you know, Frank Coppell was leaving. So I went to Frank's place for a a party after I'd been back at Tandice. And I remember sitting talking with the boys. I said, you know, next year... And that she's won the they'd won the league cup obviously before I'd started playing that she's won the league cup back to back. 
okay, we've got a right good chance to win the league next year and you could see some of the boys going, he's not got a clue what he's talking about. <laughs> and looking back, I hadn't because I thought, well, if we can do it once, we can do it again and again and again. I think how many thousands Celtic spent at the end of that season to go and get a, another squad. And then we went away the next year and we were nearly there. But we're really naive thinking after the game, by the way, that's just one of We must be favourites for next year. I'm sure Andy McLaren said something similar after we won the Scottish Cup because he was so young when and we're jumping ahead, we, we've all come back. But he was like, ah, oh, first attempt at it, won the Scottish Cup. We thought, do this loads of times. Mm. And that was the only final he ever played in, was it? Yeah. He only yeah. ever played in that one yeah. final. It's easy to get uh, caught up mm -hmm. in, in that kind of mentality. You know, if you can do it once, you can do it again. But um, isn't that simple? We've proved we couldn't do it again. But um, for a young boy, part-time player, um, to be, to get yourself on the team that had won the League Cup back-to-back -back years, you say, well, I've got a chance of winning something here. Mm -hmm. Did you notice yeah. any of your teammates getting nervous the closer it got to, to actually, like, dream becoming a reality yeah. but that, that was the thing I, I just seen them on a Saturday I, oh, there was obviously nerves on a Saturday there's there's nerves at a Joe Bloggs game on a Saturday never mind a, uh, a big important game mm -hmm. um, you know some of the guys uh, I'm sure showed more nerves than they normally did but I never noticed it I was I said I I got wrapped up in what, what I had to do. I got wrapped up in who I was playing against. Like, right, I can't. got wrapped up in you can't let crosses come in the box. I got wrapped in my use of the ball had to be good. I got wrapped up in, in uh, you know, I've got to make sure I didn't go away back and play people inside. I got wrapped up in my game. Yeah. Um, to focus, you know, so, anything else. Well, the, the, big, the push word now is focus, but I just got wrapped up in because I knew... I had to tick boxes to get a game the following week. And even at that time, it was still a case. And I was only 20, 21. I still had to tick boxes. Mm -hmm. you know, at that, I wasn't guaranteed a game the following week at that stage. And you were, I'm going to cut and tick it, tick it. And um, Ken would, what a, uh, would come and say things to you. And you've got to remember, take that and take that. And, and then, you know, Gordon, uh, Gordon Wallace was there. And, he was telling you, hey, you take that. And you take. It was just a case of me, because I never got coached during the week, but mm -hmm. and I trained at night with Graham Lowe, who was a sprint coach. Mm -hmm. All we done was run. I just got slower. I never got any quicker. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the training we gym was mental on uh, fitness. So we, the part-timers had to be as fit as the full-timers. So we just run three nights a week, really. Mm -hmm. Very little ball work. And any ball what you did get was just basic passing. Um, occasionally Watty would come and take us um, stubby you know maybe a Thursday night I was in myself they would take 30 balls out and they would roll the ball to me as a left back and I had to take my touch across my body and they would shout a number again one was down the line two was like hitting to a striker's feet and three was hitting to the striker that was further away and kicked the balls done the passes and then I had to go and run and get the balls collect them we'd come back up the pitch again but that was basically apart from when I went in during the holidays that was basically my coaching mm. um, 
Like, to sit here and knowing the story you were part-time, to now realise you were not actually training (laughs) with a first team and then turning up on a Saturday, it just blows my absolute mind. I mean, there's not much to blow in there, but that's incredible. Like, it's genuinely incredible that that's how it happened. So, I mean, as fans, obviously, on the terrace and on that day, and I know you said you, you maybe didn't remember much of the game and whatever, but you must have been in awe of what Ralph Milne done when his teammates probably seen it in training. Mistakes. Oh, don't get me wrong. I played with Ralphie as in the reserves oh, when I was 16, 17 mm. and that. And I obviously trained, been in full-time training during the holidays. Everybody knew what Ralphie could do. And Ralphie wasn't a... His goal at Dens wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. He'd done it umpteen times in training. He'd done it umpteen times in games. Um, but... <laughs> To the balls to try it during a game like that just shows you, you know, how good a player he was. Um, but you know, I, I never, I never had any aspirations of uh, being that type of player because I couldn't be that type of player. I was a bog standard defender that knew, say, tick a box, don't let the ball into the box. Tick a box, didn't get beat for your winger. Tick a box. Um, when you get it, it's got to go to Tangerine Jersey, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, that was me. I was away in a wee, a wee cocoon and went through the game. You could hear the crowd. That's about it. The goalie told us uh, when he was on a couple of years back now, we were asking about the game, and he said he kept shouting over what the time was, what the time was, and uh, didn't realise <laughs> there was a massive clock yep. at Dens at the time. Yep. <laughs> did you did you have a glance to that at the time? Often, yes. often I think I looked at every second. <laughs> uh, but that was that's a standing joke with a goalie, you know. Typical goalie couldn't he see anything, could he? You know, he's, he's shouting the time, and at that time you're sitting. The goalie's written because he was famous. Well, Hamish used to say, say to me on a Saturday I, when I first started playing, I used to be in the front post or the back post. Again, I was too small, too timid. So I used to mark the post. <laughs> Hud it so it didn't shake, or I didn't shake. And Hamish used to say to me, me man, 20 past nine tomorrow, first day, we played golf at Ayleth. <laughs> and uh, he was making sure I was turning up at 20 past nine. But this time the ball had been crossed and the goalie's f- and flaffing about, <laughs> trying to get it. Uh, but he, Kenny was famed for doing things like that, bringing a wee bit of hilarity, or a wee bit of humour, and he's shouting, how long will you go? How long will you go? And you're looking at him going, he's written that and I'm not going to answer him. <laughs> and he, to this day, he says, i never seen that clock. Huh? It was the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, it was there for years. <laughs> aye, aye. And he'd played there umpteen years uh, before I did. Uh, so he, he gets a bit of stick for that one. He stupidly owned up to it, didn't he, after the game? <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. It, it, he was always, you hear the stories about getting the crowd on side and just sort of... So, well, I mean, it's, he was, <laughs> and taking penalties. He, he was, he was uh, famed for being the... You know, the clown. That's that's not the right terminology. He'll bar me for that. So I better say again. Uh, your Marcus is out the windy again. He was famed for being the, the sort of joker. Aye. And after we won the league, we went back to Tandy's. Um, me and Maria were staying with Hamish and Allison. Didn't have any uh, digs. We had a testimonial game the next day as well. <laughs> and, uh, oh, we know. <laughs> we went up to um, 
uh, Blair Gowrie to our supporters do. And I remember coming back with for a few beers. That time I I I, I wasn't a drinker. I couldn't drink and train, so I never drunk. Hardly had a drink. So, but that night you were having a drink. I remember back to Money Faith and uh, I say, was it Frank Capelsis? And of course the boys have got cars every place. So goalie straight up in his front garden through the hedge into the front garden. He says, "We'll just leave it here." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! That sums the goalie. He was the uh, he was the uh, the joker that night. He had the the tartan rug. Remember the done he you Jimmy? Oh, that was a goalie all night. Oh. <laughs> Character for sure. Uh, what was it like lifting that trophy? Like knowing that you just won the league. Oh, I say, obviously, it was special. But I was in the dressing room, I had a foot in the dressing room, I had a, you know, it was something that I'd never experienced, obviously. None of the boys had experienced it. And then back down the road, and you know, there wasn't any champagne in that dance. There wasn't any champagne in the dressing room. So we believe. By the time they got it, we were all dressed and ready to hang ourselves, <laughs> gasping for a drink. Um, so it was mainly when we come back to Tannis, the penny started dropping. Mm. Obviously, all the press guys. Uh, I think yet now a team won in the league and they walked to the walk what five, <laughs> six hundred yards. <laughs> we we had a trophy. We had a trophy. <laughs> Getting boys throwing it back and forward to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you have a shot. Right, okay. So uh, just just surreal for me. Um, <laughs> and then the, the next day we've got the testimonial game that was. Were you so, one of the players? Because Luggy told us that did he start? Did he play the game or was no, he, he, he was he, injured? Because he, he injured himself. He, 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 he well, the, well, a lot of his ex-teammates said he wasn't that injured, <laughs> but he got stuck to go and get the vodka and the brides. Yeah. We're led to believe, and he was the acting physio, and he was coming on the park and maybe <laughs> refreshing boys or something. I just remember we drove up. We met at Tannis, obviously. We drove up in the bus, and we Jim came up the bus. No. Maybe sixteen or eighteen sore heads in that bus, <laughs> bouncing brains, and he said to us, "Who's wanting to play?" And there wasn't a lot of hands went up. <laughs> and then he says, "Well, who's not wanting to play?" And there wasn't a lot of hands went up because some of us were shit scared to put our hand up. Um, and eventually, it was the younger ones that really played. And I remember. Well, I definitely never heard head of the ball that day. Not at all. <laughs> I said I never drunk much, but I had a bouncing brain. I had a karaoke ball in the brain, and then at half time, when we just went mental because we were getting beat. Again, but Weijun was probably steaming for the for the fumes, <laughs> and then almost back into the tune for the uh, the civic reception and that, which. Uh, was quite was quite civilised compared to what we'd done the night before but just to go and say that you, you know you'd won the league no when, when you think about it, there's very few players have had actually won the forget about the Premier League the, the top league in Scotland there's very few players have won it when you realise the number of teams mm. and the number of players at every club and there's not that many teams that have won it period mm. so for that you know, the chest was at big time, massive notch uh, on your CV. And I say, uh, right away, we're, oh, I was, oh, we'll win again next year. <laughs> well, talking about the next year, obviously, 
coming with winning the league, you get the European Cup run. What was it going to places like Vienna, Liège, and dare I mention Rome? See that that was a thing we went. If you say we went to Vienna, we went to Vienna, but <laughs> um, we were quite blasé about it. Holy basically tell right. me that Rome was very intimidating. Oh, oh, but I'm saying we went away and there was never that I can recollect, there was never a game you went and said, oh, Jesus, we could get a scalp in here. Mm. Never had that mentality. We had a mentality, a siege mentality, you know, well, we'll just get there and get on with it. We had great pace in the team. We knew we've got a decent chance of scoring, nicking a goal away from home. Kevin, you've got folk like Luggy and Ralphie. Eamon's got a bit of pace. Dodgy used to scare the defence with his looks. <laughs> And the number of times Heggie would score a f- score for a set piece. So you always had that. So there was never a worry about going away. You look forward to playing the games. Okay, there was games at Verda uh, Bremen. We got an absolute doing and we won one nothing. That, how that happened, I don't know. But uh, we go to Roma, uh, or we go to Rome. Uh, there been a bit of commotion after the game at home. None of us really realised how big the commotion was in Italy. Uh, there was no internet at the time. Mm. You couldn't go to YouTube and see the game and see what the players were saying after the game. Some journalists sort of had told us going across on the flight there was a bit of commotion. We get we get to the hotel, we get wakened up in the middle of the night. Not that that bothered me. One of my nicknames was Rip Van Winkle. I would sleep. <laughs> I was at college. Great for me to get away. I used to sleep. Land, read, sleep, train, eat, read, sleep. Um, never really bored me having to get up or whatever. Uh, and we went to the game early. I think it was one of the first stadiums that I'd played at that we actually went, you know, down the tunnel under the, under the, into the stadium, under the stadium, which is great. And uh, it was an afternoon kickoff, it was scorching, and we went onto the pitch. <laughs> And you know, the big blood red oranges were getting thrown. They had the big, the big nets. And I couldn't have thrown it up and over in it. I hope we got one in the face. And uh, I got him wound up. That was him kicking everybody for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, and it was just one of the things. Well, let's go on with it, lads. I got booked. I got booked before the TV came on in Scotland. <laughs> I got booked. You know, it used to be. It used to be the first five minutes of the game you could literally get get away with any tackle. And first one's free. I played. That's that's it. Uh, with the staff used to say to me, "Remember, again, you played against David Cooper or uh, David Proven or Tell we, you're there. or we Gordon Strachan. <laughs> you knew well, the first one. You're going to scalp them. Mm. I mean, scalp them. There was Bruno Conte I played against, uh, and I booted him, and I got booked. We <laughs> Jim was at the dugout of me. You better watch what you're doing because you've got 90 minutes to go. <laughs> never said it like that. He said it with a bit more <laughs> F's and season it. So I was going about in hot coals, panicking. But it was one of the days that we never played well enough. I know now Ralphie missed a chance, but we just never played well enough. You can say what you like about the referee was bought. I'm not very sure the referee gave, gave them too much 
at that time, referees favoured the home team. We got favouritism at Tandis. Mm-hmm. So when you were in Rome, <laughs> Roma were going to get favouritism. I just thought we never, we never quite made or played how we could play, how we should have played. Uh, lost a couple of goals, obviously, and then lost another one, and game was done and dusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously there was a Walter Smith was apparently scrapping. Well, that was after the game. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was, that was after the time. game. Because uh, obviously we've yeah, seen loads of the pictures. We can laugh about it now. At the time, it wasn't funny because you'd been knocked out the cup. Aye. Yeah, uh, the semi-final of the European Cup. Mm. You'd been knocked out, but you know it was after it. Some of us put her, took her boots off and put her training shoes on and run at the dressing room because it was you'd run the gauntlet and what a mean what a. Decide, well, I'm going to turn around and have a hook at a few of them. Mm-hmm. They were obviously after we jump. Yeah. But what he says, well, I'm going to have a right boot at them. So one or two of the players decided they were going to help Watty. The rest of us were inside shutting the door. What, what, what was the reason for the bad blood? Well, I would say their side. Because I, I can that you guys got accused of being on drugs or something. No, else. after the game, there was a comment made by, by, I think it was, it must have been the manager because we never done the TV after games in Europe. Mm-hmm. And he said something of, They've said some. They've come out and said he said something. He hadn't said it. So they made. They've blown it up. We've disrespected them. You know, mm-hmm. a great team of Roma has been disrespected by the minors of Dundee United. That's a <laughs> common theme, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just blew up. So the press, the press had, uh, or the the fans. By the time we got there, they were into that mode. They're going to get we Jim. They're going to get the staff. They're going to get the players. After the game. Going to the airport, uh, the bus got stoned. Mm-hmm. You know that's not that's not a very pretty thing. It was sitting inside the bus, and you think you've got double glazed windows, and I'll not come through. Well, there were that many bricks that did go through. Mm-hmm. So that was scary. That was a bit of a frightening thing. Um, but the overall experience was what he throwing them back <laughs> was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be right. The, the overall experience, although we got beat was f- fantastic for someone like myself, mm-hmm. a young boy. I got to the, or we got to the airport, and uh, Jock Steen, who had been across as a guest of the club, me Jim was really pally, obviously, he took me aside in the airport and said that he was going to cap me at the end of the season. So that sort of made, that more than made up for the disappointment. Mm-hmm. You know, he was really gutted, upset. Another wee Pfeiffer thing again. Oh, semi-final, one two, not get home. No team will beat us. You know, that was the mentality we had at that time. I had that mentality. We, as a team, had the mentality we wouldn't lose three goals. But we did so. So, big joke come and said, "Oh, I'm going to cap you at the end of the season." So, that that sort of helped me. Um, for somebody that has stature to come across and want to talk to a wee boy like me, mm-hmm. um, and tell me he was going to cap me. And, he was true his word I got capped at the end of that season um, well, he, he must be the last part time player to be capped I mean probably it's mm. incredible stuff probably, yeah. remember much about your debut for Scotland oh, huh? up against a couple of okay players yeah. if you want to we share to, who it was we played France mm-hmm. and uh, in Marseille I was getting married the next day this was a Friday night <laughs> we played France I was getting married <laughs> married the next day how did you break that news? We had played England on the Saturday, the previous Saturday, or a fortnight before. I had my stag do. This was all arranged before I got picked for Scotland. So, you know, 
the, the guys laugh at me when I'm telling the story now. Again, kids now go to Croatia. They go to Vegas. They go here every place for a stag do. I went to Edinburgh. Stayed in the film. I went to Edinburgh. <laughs> and by God, did we think we were a bee's knees. <laughs> All my mates chipped in. We got a bus across for them filming to Edinburgh. Wow. <laughs> right? So I'd played against England. Well, I'd been at England, against England on the Saturday at Hamden. Came back. Uh, got changed and I was away out in Edinburgh on my stag do. Um, the following Monday or Tuesday I had to meet up with the squad, went away to, to Marseille uh, and we got an absolute trouncing by fans. Some of the superstars never turned up for for Scotland, you know, they were in the season of fatigue and that, mm. so they never turned up. Anyway, we got beat 2 nothing, and it was France had superstars. Play. I was going to say it was men against boys, but we couldn't say we were boys. We were worse than that, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, Platini played, mm-hmm. Tagana played, Jerez played. Can everyone was a bigger name than the last one? Um, and I remember coming in after a game. I remember before a game, big joke says to me, he says, "Go out and play. You play for your club. You'd be great for me." And went out, just it. At least at United, I got a kick of the ball. I never got a kick of the ball. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and after the game, I came in, sat in the dressing room, uh, and he came in, sat next to me. He said, What do you think of that, son? That's your nationalist now. I said, Gaffer, I'm not good enough for this. And he whacked me. I said, Then he'd be stupid. He says, uh, You'll probably never play against a better team in your career. Mm-hmm. Go, they're going to win the European Championship. So she did go and win. Mm-hmm. And being fair, I probably never played against a better team with such big names as a French team. So that was me off and running, first cap, come back, got married the next day. Uh, folk can press at the wedding while I talk about the football. <laughs> Must have went doing well. Yeah, like that. Oh, no, 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 what no, what no, was no. the actual travel arrangements for you coming back? Straight back uh, yeah. to Glasgow. We had a uh, John Warkin that was in the squad at the time, so we had a, a stag doing the on the plane coming back <laughs> again at that time the, well, the players sat up the front of the plane and you could get drink uh, the older players as soon as he's not they, they used to get buckets here and they made sure you got a drink my stag do so it was they were into everything and I couldn't drink I'm like, no I can't drink that lads my dad picked me up at the airport landed at Glasgow airport I think Three in the morning or something, two in the morning. Drove me back to Dunfermline, and up again at the crack of dawn. Me and my best man went for lunch. A couple of games of pool. Back. Changed. Got married. <laughs> that was it. Uh, prior to the... Some 24 hours. Prior to the end of that season, we Jim had offered me a full-time contract. I was... I'd done my... Finished my degree. Finished my honours degree. So he offered me a full-time contract. Go and tell us, was it a Jim McLean so, special contract? Oh, I, I better, he, he says, I right, I'll give you, you'll get whatever everybody else is getting. But at that time, everybody got the same. Um, if you're an internationalist, you got more money. So that's so, that was into it as well. Uh, so I went away on honeymoon, come back. Too many red letters in the, in the door. And the club hadn't put me on my full-time contract. They'd put me back... Oh, they put me back to £15 a week. My part-time contract, I've never played enough games. I went back to £15 a week. 
getting a day came out I was on something to rate a pound a week or something uh. so I was getting dad got six weeks of 15 quid no wonder there was nothing getting paid <laughs> so I had a <laughs> I didn't care it was a stupid moment or a brave moment and I I had to go and speak to the manager and had a thought with him um, so I'm not having that you know it's, I'm just married I says Phil you give me a contract doesn't it start till such and I says no 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 I signed it then I'm wanting it then if not my way and I Again, I had my, I've been capped as well. Jokestein had capped me, which, as I said to you earlier, yeah. to get picked by Jokestein for anything was great. Again, mm. I get picked, and his Tiddlewinks team would have been great for me. <laughs> I got picked for his international team, so I said to myself, I must be all right here. So, being fair, we jumped, uh, we made a mistake and fixed it, fixed it for me. And that was me um, in full time training after that. Six year or a six year option, or was that was it someone stupid? Oh, I, I start it. Well, I, I, I probably started with a two year, three year, year contract, mm-hmm. but he kept on coming back. So you want to sign for a bit more? Oh, of course. Brian Welsh tells a great story. At, at that time, you're, he signed an extension for an extra fifteen hundred quid signing on fee. Yeah, at that time, <laughs> the club had your your uh, contract. You know your registration. You couldn't walk away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just says, I'll give you the extra bit of money and you would. Was there agents back then? No. No, so he was literally just dealing with you guys? No, he was, yeah, he took me in one day and and this was a few years down the the line and he said to me about, you know, he signed a contract. I said, I'll sign a contract. And what do you want? And I told him and he just laughed at me. Nah, he says, can I get that? So I jumped in the car, drove home. Stayed, I stayed money faith, drove home. Maria, get in the door. Maria says, the phone me, Jim. <sighs> she said, how'd you go? And I says, no, nah, it's been banned. Okay. So phone me, Jim. He says, I okay, I'll decide I'll give you that. So it was great. Mm. So I got to the park the following the weekend. The directors used to come in quite a lot. So whoever it was, George Fox, Johnson Grant, whoever it was at the time, Passed me the car and just wanted to say thanks very much for for my new contract. Honestly, he went he went chalk white. <laughs> what do you mean? I said I got a new contract last week. Oh, did you? Nothing to do with me, son. <laughs> so we Jim knew. We Jim never ever had to go and speak to the directors. He always told you he had to speak to them, but never. <laughs> if he thought he deserved it, and that was another thing he thought I deserved it. So oh, well, just was it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what sort of went on. Never, he never offered me more than a year extra, and sometimes the money was reasonable. But you're better having a couple of extra pound than nothing. As I say, I couldn't walk out the club. I wouldn't be able to walk out the club. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like that anyway. But um, you just you just plod it along. I, I'm sure at at one stage I I, I got my you you got a can three-year contract with a three-year whatever it was called after it. Oh, the option. Yeah, the and option. Was, uh, and it wasn't yours. It wasn't your option, no. <laughs> no, we used to laugh at why it's called an option. I, I'm sure I said to him, get rid of the option. And I just, that was me then. I was just on a basic bland contract. Uh, but no chance of getting to the end of it. No. No, <laughs> no chance at all. No, no chance. Uh, the following season, um, you're talking about managers. Brian Clough brought his Nottingham Forest up, but you weren't a plane. Were you injured or were you? Probably, probably injured or something. I remember being at the, the function. Oh, okay. 
and Cloughy was uh, bombing a bit. He's, uh, what's his name? He's, his son. Oh, Nigel. Nigel, yeah. was one of his first games. So he was bombing a bit on uh, And he was going around kissing other boys, you know. <laughs> How well, oh, have a good season and that. <laughs> that was regional's testimonial. Because uh, that was always, it tended to be at that time, testimonial game was, you got your best crowd at the start of the season and that's when the club wanted you to have the game. Um, and obviously we jump had his at the start of the season. And another European Man United this time. Yeah, another another uh, episode, or escapades I should say. Mm, just one of the things again that the goalie was man the match didn't nah, it? Well, the goalie actually it saved a penalty for a change you know it's the first thing <laughs> the ball hit him it was a poor penalty in fact uh, <laughs> um, but aye it was by that time we were I'm saying seasoned I was I can 23 or so 24 23 I was seasoned virtually a seasoned pro by that time the team was they knew we knew how to play even though that was your first Full time, ah, but, ah, first full time, but you know, you played about 200 games probably. <laughs> season pro at that time, um, and it was one of the cup runs that you look forward to. Yeah, it was, by hooker, by hook, by hooker, by crook, we won them and went on the next one. And uh, but there you go, there's a story coming back for Man United, right? You can imagine teams nowadays getting the bus for Manchester to Dundee. And twelve players getting out the bus and going to Rough and Fraser's at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Where white their wives were on a different bus. They wouldn't let the region wouldn't let us bring the wives on the bus. They all come up road together, so they, their bus was behind us. And the players all went to Rough and Fraser's for a bacon boy. <laughs> there was none of this stopping for pastas and that. It was uh, <laughs> it was a case of lager. Was it at then Each. at the top of the Hilton? Aye. Aye. 24 hours. So that was us. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure we had to go and train the next afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's back to reality, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and the, I mean, I keep it on Europe because obviously that, the, the spell in the 80s were always in Europe. But the following year, um, we were absolutely shafted by a referee away to Nochetel. Did Morris Markbass fail to clear a ball off the line? No. <laughs> Passed it back to the keeper. Neuchatel was we played that about a thousand degrees below was that that one yes yeah I think was that no think Kevin th Gallagher's debut as well I think a lot of people mm. played with their long johns on that day mm -hmm. that probably probably felt we clear something or <laughs> no I watched it don't blame it. for it or whatever that's no, uh, we no, do make mistakes. There's there's no blame for it. I watched it again last night because it's on the Arab archive on the internet and I think it's a corner from them. The boy gets up and headers it and it falls to you. You're on the post. You're marking the post. Uh, for Billy Thompson this time and you've tried to clear it and you've kind of sclaffed it and it's went right along the line and Thompson's just put his hand on it and the ref gave the goal uh, it's Thomas for that uh, I'm going to blame the ref <laughs> I'm going to blame the ref because it was never in it's not even close yeah, to being over I mean Billy Thompson there he took over for the goalie what was it like playing with, with him quieter Thomas stayed two doors down for me still one of my best mates closest friends um, chalk and cheese the goalie mm. and Tomo, chalk cheese. Tomo was into all the technical stuff. He wanted to be in goals. He died for everything at training. The goalie, 
Couldn't be asked. Well, no, the goalie very rarely played in goals at training. He wanted to be right wing or left wing. And if he was right wing, you could only find one player, and that was a left winger. And if he was left wing, you could only find one player, and that was a right winger. We were then shooting that. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't dive. He would nudge his elbows at them. And the guy, the wee luggy and that used to destroy him. You know, there's, there's buses in your goals or sinks in your goals. And the goalie would snap and go and chase wee luggy about the training ground. Came for about an hour. Yeah. Now, Hamish never... Hamish wasn't the technical. He, whatever he'd done, he'd done. The big duck bully was, he was, he was in the goalkeeping techniques at that mm-hmm. time. He was a technical goalkeeper. You know, he liked these long big, shorts as well. Big bully, the fish. His, his hair was never, it was never at a place. He was immaculate. You know, always played with the the the, the long goalie bottoms on. Um. The the year for year, probably so that's the best display for a season. Yeah, goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. I was eating. I played twenty odd years at United. That was by far the best display any goalkeeper had for a season. He mm-hmm. was getting outstanding week in week out. Fantastic in the European run. Uh, nah, the goalie didn't get involved when Tomo <laughs> when Tomo first came. The goalie never really got involved in all the technical stuff. He used to disappear at the pitch or go and collect the balls or something. How did he take it then? Because he obviously he was the established number one. Yeah, but Bully came and never got a game straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamish, uh, Hamish came, or Hamish came, Hamish was there and he kept on going, kept on going and then he, he went away to Wraith Rovers, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Bully took over and Alan Main was coming through at that time as well. Mm-hmm. So he became sort of the reserve goalkeeper. Uh, I, I think I've got that right. Um, goalie, the goalie, he wanted to play and he, he disappeared. He went away down to Wraith. And Tomo was honestly just Tomo was like unbelievable. Oh, he was a good keeper. Aye, he's he's a, fans of a certain age. He's yeah. he's their favourite keeper. Yeah, yeah. Tomo that season he was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and uh, I mean the European run, you know, playing Lawns and then Krova, Hajduk split, and then you get pulled out against Barcelona. Don't. I mean, well, uh, there's uh, <laughs> something else that people think I'm stupid. The hardest game of the lot was Lawns the first one mm. we got an absolute chasing mm-hmm. across there technically one of the best teams that we played against mm. uh, and at that time I think everybody was quite concerned about us coming back and beating them but it was a typical European team at home they were fantastic see away from home they turned up with pub bits on mm-hmm. they were hopeless so we, we walked through that one uh then you get the Barcelona one and, you know, everybody's gone do wally about it. A bunch of seasoned campaigners in Europe. You know, Reddy was there, he'd played before he came. Fergie was there, played in Europe before he came to us. The guys who had been at Tannis for right few years, women, Big Sash, had a many cap, uh, European uh, appearances he would have. Hege, Marcel, Holte, Kirke, uh, who came back that season, Amond. We're a really experienced team in for Europe. Jimmy, Mark, and Bo were probably too, <laughs> too inexperienced. One and Jimmy was probably end up being one of your better players in Europe all that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
what can you say about the Barcelona game? Everybody expect us to get beat. Everybody what? expect us to get thumped, turned up. <laughs> we we obviously never trained in the same st- in the same pitch as Kevin because Kevin <laughs> says the throw in and that came for the training ground. <laughs> I must have missed that training. <laughs> but we get the goal. Did he mean it? No chance. No. <laughs> Kevin was. Does not matter though? Kevin was crossing it to the back post. See, when you see the replay, though, there's nobody near the back no. post. It's a horrendous <laughs> cross. Well, you go, we keep on saying now, say we, we go it a lot. And it always comes back, you know. Hope he took the throw in. And Luggy had the worst touch Luggy's had in his career. <laughs> okay, and it was a, it, he just shanked it. And it came to Kevin, and Kevin panicked and just hit it. Yep. And it went in the back of the net. So think what you think, but trust me. It wasn't worked. Um, we just like to ask anyone that's been in there. Was, we like to ask them what they thought. You know, after the after the game, uh, Venables had said to to Watty and that that they know Watty to uh, to wee Jim, and uh, it'll be a different ball game across there. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was great going across across there. I'd, by that time, obviously, I've been playing with Scotland, been a, a lot of the bigger stadiums. Uh, and you go to Barcelona and can I go to the chapel, which suited mm-hmm. Heggy. Heggy could go to the chapel. Heggy, Heggy, Heggy was great. Didn't matter where we went, he always went to the chapel. He found mm-hmm. the chapel to go to and that was Heggy's thing. So he didn't have too far to find a chapel. Um, the dressing room was bigger than Tannadice. <laughs> you know, it was a great dressing room because Jim couldn't, you couldn't hear Jim. He, <laughs> he was sitting at one end and he was at the other end, you couldn't hear him. Uh, it was just surreal, you know, coming at the game. They told us before the game wasn't going to be a big crowd. There was forty thousand there, wasn't a big, going to be a big crowd. Mm-hmm. We came out the way you went on the pitch, you know, it was top tier was empty, uh, and you had all the superstars, the Mark Hugheses and the Lanikers and yeah, all the boys. Well, let's go on with it. Let's go and play. We're one and one, nothing. Just go on with it. And we plod it away and plod it away. And I think we're playing particularly well or particularly badly. Lost a goal. Just kept on plodding away and plodding away. And then the next thing we scored the goal and scored the goal, won the game. Uh, and I don't care how many United fans we were there. There must have been about 30,000 because every time you meet somebody, they say they're at the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they were shell shocked as well. Mm. Did we win? <laughs> I remember us going back to the hotel. I was having a right, a right scoop that night, uh, and back. But the Saturday before that, we'd struggled against Forfar in the cup. Yeah, last minute equaliser. Right. So we're brought back to earth quite quickly. You had to go start playing again on the Saturday, and away you went, and then you draw Borussia, and you go, "Jeez, I still hadn't been beaten for." Centuries, can fifty odd games, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're saying to yourself. And I, obviously, I, when I was coaching with the under twenty one, Rainer Bonoff was uh, the, the manager, mm-hmm. and Rainer, Rainer, that's his, uh, you know, that's his team. Um, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, he was now one of the vice presidents there, but he said, you know, he was he was away playing Savalas at the time or something. Or coaching us all, he says uh, there wasn't a one person in Gladbach thought 
that United had an earthly mm-hmm. he come in and win the game went and won the game 2-0 um, I, I was in the cross I, I got a bad paw and I got my, my foot burst on the Saturday against Celtic couldn't travel so I watched it on the TV um, like a nervous wreck Is it more difficult for oh, you? Oh yeah. but I was getting to the stage of my career you know I was at that time I was in my 20s and I said oh, come on get to the final mm-hmm. and I've been to a few Scottish Cup finals and that but so I was nervous for that well obviously the boys done great Reddy was fantastic that night Reddy loved the European experience mm-hmm. he, he was a European type football player great player uh, so we won the game and the elation uh, was scary uh, and it's amazing th- how the press have got a different mentality about you after you win games like that uh, and then obviously we get to the they get to the final we, we fall short but whatever it was doesn't really matter how, why we never won it uh, for for people like myself I, say, I got to the semi-final of the European Cup Champions League now for the younger ones and I played in the UEFA final I okay who did you play for and you said done the United mm-hmm. Pff, no chance they think mm-hmm. you're taking the mic at them mm-hmm. that's some people that are well into football no 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 done the United when they get to the semi-final of the European Cup you only won the league once so it took. We had one hit at it and got to the semi-final. Mm-hmm. People say we got robbed, but that's that's one of my things, you know. The club doesn't bum about that enough for me. Okay, maybe the club shouldn't bum about it, but I think that's as a fan, I think that should always be celebrated. That for me, that well, I'll never get beaten. I, I would like to think, I would love it to get beaten, but I'll never get beaten. Let's be honest. Um, but for a clubby. Dundee United's size, semi-final of the European Cup, get the final of UEFA. Within four years. Phenomenal. In the space Phenomenal. of four years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I can remember uh, Billy Thompson saying at the, the Whitehall Theatre the other week where he'd, he'd almost lost his ear in the first leg uh, and he was squealing like a wee lassie at half-time getting stitches in it. You know, winding him up about that. Yes, yes. I <laughs> uh, Tom was my roommate. Um, but, Okay, and he gets hurt he gets a sore one being fair but we never told him that <laughs> his ears sort of flopping out oh, uh, Jesus and how it started I see I got my foot bust in the at Parkhead I missed the second leg of the Borussia game my mum had actually had a heart attack at the first leg of the Borussia game she came up to watch my, my young lad who was only two months old or something and the old dear had a heart attack watching the young lad getting in mm. her house uh, so, yeah, uh, I remember coming down the tunnel, nothing, nothing against Borussia. We think that's a good result for us. Me, Jim storms it up the up the tunnel and starts shouting at me. I'm going, "Can hell, the game's not finished, and I'm getting shouted at." Right, you get yourself shifted. Go up to the hospital. Your mum's poorly. So I got a lift up to the hospital. My mum was fine. Uh, and me and Tomo took, you know, shared the car. So Tomo had come up for me after mm. the, all the palaver at the at the stadium. Can I was washed, changed the four-way gym had finished his team talk away. So 
Big Tom will come and pick me up at the, the hospital, came in. My mum was fine. Uh, my dad was there. Um, so, jumped in Thomas' car. We're bombing along the ferry road, getting about 3,000 miles an hour, because Tom would like to be a bit of a... He was either a racing driver or a... He drove like, like you know, a snail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we got stopped by the police on the ferry road. Again, blue light on Thomas's. I said, just tell him what's happened. So, again, Thomas, when they're doing it, guy says to him, I said, Morris's mum's had a heart attack, blah, blah, blah. So we got a, we got a blue light home for the, the ferry to, <laughs> to Money Faith. Get you home and fine, son. Uh, so, again, Tom was always winding me up about that. Or I was winding him about that. Uh, but we get to uh, Gothenburg and I was still struggling with my foot. I'd played a couple of games and but took an injection. So, come to the morning of the game, the doc pulls me aside and says, can you inject you? You know, my drugs test today, can I take the chance? He says, do you want to play? <laughs> I said, you be serious? I said, of course I want to play, sir. And, you know, Tom was, I used to get stuck for taking injections to get a game in that. That's softy. So Tom got his ears bashed, so I'm ripping into him. <laughs> I'm ripping into him, coming down the, the tunnel. <laughs> Look at you, you're a big dark. Of course there's a goal. You've got a bit of blood in your hair. You're just a big softy. <laughs> and he goes in and all you could do is, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because <laughs> at that time as well, there wasn't any anaesthetics. Anytime you got your face bust, your legs bust, you just got stitched up yeah. and bite your finger or whatever. Yeah. So Big Tom, he's not got any anaesthetic and he's getting his, os his ear all stitched together. He's screaming like a friggin' banshee. I can honestly say I do not have a clue what wee Jim said at the team talk that day because I had to concentrate. I didn't bust it laughing. Because I was peeing myself thinking about Tom going, aya, aya. <laughs> and his hair getting all covered in red blood <laughs> so he, the banter was just OTT when it, when it came to stuff like that that's phenomenal phenomenal it's when you hear these wee stories about the other things that we've heard before are always really amusing um, one game that is never far away that we always discuss or bring up and Scottish Cup final, Motherwell, 91. Alan Mayne was fouled. Uh, that was probably, for getting beat, that was probably one of the better games to play in. Mm. I still got a bit of stick because people thought I should have scored at the end of the game, but they never realised there was a foul back. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't, have, shouldn't have been up that far. It's a good save. Uh, but, ah, it was one of the games that, you know what happened where the McLean's family eh, father passed away mm. um, sort of took over a wee bit before the game uh, for me it's one of the best cup finals I've been in the last what is that 30, 30 odd years now mm -hmm. um, just another one that you thought you'd win you know I thought we'd win the, uh, I, thought, I thought we'd win every one I've got to admit because mm. I'm daft <laughs> yeah. the, the Pfeiffer in you the St Myrne one was a, a sore one because of the Yefer. Yeah, you know if we had Huge. if we had won one we had won both I'm mm -hmm. convinced of that mm -hmm. but we lost one and I think it knocked it knocked the stuff out us a wee bit 
um, or it made, made us a bit scared that it caused us to lose a bit of energy. But I was convinced if we had won one with the other one. But the Motherwell won. I thought, ah, we won. And it was one of the days, one of the guys I used to kick when I was a kid was Kirky, Steve, uh, mm. Stephen Kirk. Now he scored the goal. See Kieran a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we asked, I'm, I'm pretty sure John Clark's the last person that was on that we asked, mm -hmm. do you remember the four players that were red-carded at full time? Well, Jimmy, Mark and Bo were probably two. Mark and Ali was one. Amazingly, wasn't the Dave Bowen. John Clark was one. Nah. Darren Jackson was one. And Freddie Vanderhoorn was the other. Nah. <laughs> nah, After just causing chaos at full time. I think yeah. I'd probably been the, in the dog or in the dressing room by then. Aye. Uh, it's one of I the games I, that that's one thing I found the cup finals not difficult to play and I enjoy playing them. I gained something for everyone, but I found them difficult to cope with the results. Yeah. Because mm, yeah. as you get on at your career, mm. the first couple you say, oh, okay, I'm young. Andy McLaren thought, didn't matter, he'll, he'll win mm. the next one. Well, I'd been to, how many hotels are in Glasgow? <laughs> I've, I've stayed in every one for a cup final. That was me, Jim, we got beaten in this one, so we'll move to the next hotel. And I was away up at eight or nine cup finals, so. So take it, the fact that you were confident going into these finals, you, like you didn't, uh, like there was obviously there was talk of the Hamden hoodoo. Like there's a final hurdle where never get an hour at a ticket. You didn't subscribe no, to that way, that, I think. That's, but that's the press that make up. It's the punters that make up. Mm -hmm. If you were thinking like that way as a player, you wouldn't get up in the morning and bother going to training. Mm -hmm. What's the point? You know, wouldn't they beat Barcelona? No, no chance of beating Barcelona. You did beat Barcelona. Yeah. No chance of beating Borussia. You did beat Borussia. Right? Twice. Mm -hmm. So all the the Hamden who do stuff it was a, it's great for the press guys it was great it's a headline isn't it mm. great headlines for them great for the punters the opposition that could bring it up some of your boys some of your your fans that the glass half full would would go along with it nah, I used to love the cup finals it was uh, I love playing the games loved the atmosphere going to Hamden and playing in front of fifty or sixty thousands of it's a great feeling. Mm -hmm. um, it would be great if you played against them or went there and played 50, 60,000 and won more often. Of course it would be, but that never happened. Um, and I can honestly say that how many people expect us to beat Rangers when we did beat Rangers. Mm -hmm. So the harmless thing, it's the hoodoo stuff is just a load of granny talk for me. Aye. Before we touch on 94, um, what was it like when Jim McLean retired? And like you said, he was... So stepping down, and then his replacement. Well, I can remember when I got a phone call for the press guys saying that we Jim had uh, resigned. Um, was captain at the time, senior player at the club. So, in my wisdom, I decided to pick the phone up and phone him. And what you get? What you getting up to? You know. It was difficult to talk to him in a, a jovial manner because I, I never had a relationship with Jim in terms of that. I, I, he was my manager. He coached me. Um, was never in company with him. He'd come to a dinner and he would make sure he was at different tables, which suited us to a tea. Didn't mm. get me wrong. But I never had any social uh, meetings with him. With, you know. So it was difficult to 
go on the phone and have any banter with him. So I'm trying to have a bit of banter and ask him what's up. He just said he had enough. I said, you're off your head. You're just playing at their hands, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so the next day, I got a phone call for him saying that, you know, they've, they're advertising for a manager, but they think they've got them, blah, blah, blah. So we go away on holiday. Just about every year, I went to Florida, wife and kids, three weeks, um, golfed and had a ball. And it was amazing how many times I met with Jim, because he had a, a house out there. So we're walking along and kissing me. Got the two kids, my missus. Okay, we're walking along, we have our lunch someplace. Or I was away to have a beer and she's away for a wine, whatever. Um, and guess who I bump into? Doris and Jim. So, for a glass or two beer, I've said, well, come on in. Tell me who man who's going to be the manager. Oh, I said, I didn't care. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I said, oh, come on, just tell me. <laughs> I said, no, no, I can't. I can't. So, I said, I can't hear. He said, if I see you later in the week, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, I got announced two or three days later. I even go like so because I believe it or not I bumped into wee Jim again at one of the theme parks he's telling me Jim McLean in a in a Disneyland theme park (laughs) I I can't even picture that I I even go like blah 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 okay okay fine so I came back um, into the season and I remember the first couple of days at pre-season getting his arsenal to run. We trained at the cash. Mm-hmm. Um, getting with the ice rinkers now. Yeah. Trained up in the hills there and just run. And Stuart Hogg was taking the training. Ivan says, no, this is what I want. And he gave him a programme. And it was, what can I, you turn on a mile, say. The world record was a four-minute mile. And he's asking us on three fifty. I'm saying to Hoggy, I says, "This is not right." Because <laughs> he had bow guys like Bo and that who were just—they were machines. They were trying to get in the times. I says, "Ah, this boy's off his trolley." <laughs> Ivan came in his first day and said, "Look, lad, you're, this is what I'm like. You'll never get the same training. Two days on the trot or two weeks on the trot." We done the same train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, <laughs> every week. <laughs> Ivan would go away to. I was one of his coaches. I was a player coach at the time. Ivan would go away to Southampton uh, on a Saturday after the games, and he would leave uh, Stubby, um, get a training schedule for the Monday. You know, Ivan used to like doing cross and finishing, but it was a full length of party to run. Well, it's not for me. <laughs> ah, uh, so when I was away, Stubby would sort of reduce the pitches and that. And, and then we Jim would start getting involved. We Jim would come up and say, This is what I want you to do. I said, yeah, I can't. Yeah. The gaffers, I'll do what the gaffer. No, you'll do what I tell you. And you're saying, Well, you wouldn't like that. No, just do as I'm telling you. Right? <laughs> so I'd got released a few times being a coach as well. But, <laughs> uh, but Ivan was. <laughs> I, Night and day for I, I got in great with Ivan 
but night and day for we jam. Mm-hmm. You know, tactically, and no, nothing like we jam. Uh, but great, fantastic guys like Welsh and that. Uh, the younger ones, uh, you know, the, the Gary Bones and that. How much they grew that season. You know, the Andy McLarens. Christian uh, Daly's. All they guys, how much oh, they yeah. grew that season because Ivan, Ivan didn't have his glass half empty, he didn't have his glass half full. Had, he had his glass overflowing. He was so positive. Um, you know, it, a bit at times it was a bit dis, disrespectful to other teams, but it, it didn't mean it in a deliberate manner. Mm. It was just to bum the boys up. And, I, and you shouldn't have been, they shouldn't have been the same pitch as you. Mm-hmm. You're saying you can't say that, but he did, and the young boys, was he Welsh? Was obviously Welsh had been playing before that, but not a lot. And he just he just blossomed. Mm-hmm. A lot of the young boys blossomed. A lot of the older boys, myself, Bo, and Jimmy Mark, you're going, oh, uh, some of the things, you know. We played in Europe and come back. Uh, we played on the Thursday night. I think it was one of the first Thursday night European games we played. Came back, we were at Ibrox on the Saturday. And at that time, you had to play on the Saturday. Mm. I remember we flew into Edinburgh and we stayed in Edinburgh. Um, and we drove along to the game on the Saturday and there was a big article. Unknown to me, there was a big article in the sun. Uh, how good United are and they'll beat Rangers. <laughs> we Pfeiffer gets out of the buses, up the stairs. And the Ibrox and I hear the shout, Hey you what what we done? <laughs> Come here. You tell that manager <laughs> that we're no like that. And I'm gonna tell you, see after the game, you're gonna absolutely ram it down his throat. We were three and up after about two minutes or something. Again, yeah. board scored <laughs> twice or something. We won the game. Can I even come out? Yeah, what a peacock getting the feathers of it. <laughs> Gaffer now. You're going to get wound up in here. Just leave it. <laughs> I mean, he loved all that kind of stuff. Mm. So you, I, I got on well with him, but. You accused them of being like they were aging and they were, they were oh, on their way to. Yeah. And then the, the, <laughs> the cup final. Um, he gets. He didn't come in the bus with us. He was bringing his car, his wife, and his kids. But in the morning, he got stopped on the dock street. <laughs> Didn't have a license. <laughs> so he'd been in the country for a kind of many years. But he didn't have a license. So how long had he been driving? Oh, years probably. Years, but obviously <laughs> he just drove off his uh, his uh, what was it? His his other license, his uh, Yugoslav uh, license, yeah, yeah. I thought it was at the time. So, <laughs> um, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. We went down to the uh, East Kilbride, we stayed at East Kilbride. Uh, and some of the boys had said to him, You know, do you mind if we go to Hamill Races? I'm going like that, oh, Hamill Races? <laughs> we jumped off, went mental. There you go. Big, big two pot and that, big Craig Brewster and that. A few of the boys went away in Hamilton races. Marcel and David Airy, who didn't play, he was, and then they got a game, he was injured or something. We stayed at the hotel playing snooker. And I've been half for a sleep in the afternoon, which I did on the time. Got up, 
doing, me and Sasha playing snooker. <laughs> Ivan, I see Ivan's car coming past the window. Ivan's jumped in his car and drove. <laughs> <laughs> no bother, two monkeys. Comes into the room. I said, there's four or five years there. And he, you want a drink? Ah, just a quote for me, Godfather, whatever. He comes through with five pints. <laughs> well, no, I, I gave them one. Didn't worry. So I never really touched that. I was no into that. So we, all the boys come back for the racing. They've had a good day at the racing. They've not been drinking. They've had a carry on. We get, we have our meal and it's, uh, we're all sitting around the one big long table and the TV's at the bottom. I'll never forget Stuart, <laughs> Stuart McCall's on the, he comes on, he's, he's been interviewed and he's talking about Rangers, the double, double treble. Double treble. Yeah. You know, it's never been done before, blah, blah, blah. And Ivan walked up and turned the telly off, he says, look at him, he was shiting himself. <laughs> <laughs> and I can, me, Bo and Jimmy Mark just looked at each other and went, here we go. So, he says, uh, this is a team. <laughs> and he told us the team, went to our beds. Never seen Ivan the next morning. Got up, again, down for your breakfast. Fun boys didn't have breakfast at that time. Again, folk worrying about tickets and all that kind of stuff. Ivan, no interest in it. We got along, we're driving along to Hamden. Ivan's wanting the bus to pass the police uh, escort. Just go past them. <laughs> no, you can't. Just honestly. But, but that time, all well, the boys are laughing. Well, when you get to the, the pitch, uh, he comes out and he's had a couple of kicks of the ball and ah, we be fine. The steam talk before the game was just go and play. Well, off we went. And, again, Ivan was one of the ones that's mm, first 20 minutes, first 30 minutes, half time. Mm hmm. And then you went again. Because we got a goal in front. Still didn't care what he said at half time. Again, there was <laughs> boys asking questions. I didn't understand what he said to me. You're trying to explain to them. And then before you came here, you've won the game. Ivan, quite rightly, gets lauded. You know, it's, there's, I said, there's not a, a right way and a wrong way to take a football team. Well, there is a wrong way to take a football team. If a football team doesn't win, Ivan. His team won, bunch of young boys, Andy McLaren, or a brain cell, a lovely <laughs> lad. Uh, we still keep in touch. Um, no brain cell, no got a care in the world. Uh, who else would be, be there at the time? Welsh, eh? no a care in the world. Cleland. Eck, Eck. Christian Eck. Daly. Uh, Christian. Um, Davy Hanna played Christian midfield. Was a wee bit, uh, mm -hmm. uh, a bit more of a warrior, but Ivan helped him tremendously. Mm -hmm. Some of the things Ivan said to David Hanna, you would, you wouldn't sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, he was telling me he was this kind of player, and that kind of player. And you're going, well, no really. <laughs> but that's how he was. And if we won the, if we won the cup. Uh, what did he tell you then? If he's bumming these guys up, is that just because he maybe felt he needed to? As no, he, no, he never. What he said to you in the office, he went and said to the boys. Again, mm. I was in the office with Jim as a as a coach. And he would say some things. He says, but I'm not going to say that to his face. Mm -hmm. Ivan. If Ivan said you were, Paul, you're, you're fantastic in the office, he went through and said to your face, mm -hmm. Paul, 
in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's the first time that's ever been said. To and you he was always, twice. he uh-huh. was always. Um, I say he was always positive. He would get annoyed if you got beat. He would get annoyed if you if you lost a daft goal. Mm. But it was, you know, hey lads, that's not good enough. Which to the young boys was great because mm. they, they, we Jim had calmed down by that time. Um, us older ones would have a nip, uh, nip at them, you know, at training that can make sure they were doing the earth and were listening. The season after we won the, the cup was a hard season because mm. they had won a cup. They were cup winners. Some of us had played at the club for umpteen years and had them won it. And the younger ones became more a, a handful as a group, no, as individuals, as a group. It became, as I said, when I started playing, it was the young versus old and that kind of thing. But it was all banner. Well, the season after, it was uh, Marcel, Dave Bowman and uh, Jimmy and Mark. We were arguing with the young boys constantly. Getting the us aside. And that's that's a criticism myself that I've got that I couldn't get through them to say this is not right, lads. We're go- we're not going to win anything with us. Can't okay, hardly how many games we went through winning. And I even never really ripped. Mm-hmm. All right, next week. All right, next week. All right, next week. It wasn't all right, mm-hmm. and we kept on going and going and going, and we couldn't get through it, the young boys. The young boys, some of them didn't. They? By that time, thought, like it's easy. We'll come right eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we got relegated and people there was people jumping jumping ship uh, no born on the backside yeah it was a tough season uh, especially on uh, like we've spoke to Ivan and, and we <laughs> he's a confident man he, he is a confident man yeah and we essentially just focused on like the, the season where we, we won the cup mm. because the following season as you say we went doing uh, although he he didn't get the whole season, or did he? No, he got no, um, Kirk came in the last. Kirk came in with six games to go. Game. But we got yeah. we got pumped at Hibs first game of the season, five nine. Bad, I mean, yes. I mind being there, yeah. going, Bad. holy shit! Yeah. Although there was a, that I, was the thing we went to, and we, we Jim was meticulous with his pre seasons, you know, in terms of getting you up to a fitness, yeah. and then in terms of getting you match time, you know, we'd go to Holland for a week or ten days and play six, seven, eight games. Mm. You played. Guys like myself would play every night. Other guys would play every second night. I was hopeless at pre-season. Hated the running. Mm. Done as best as I could, which was not very good. So, I, uh, me, Jim's thing was we just keep on playing, keep on playing, and keep on playing. If you need, if you think you've, you're all right, fine. Mm. We went away to Kuala Lumpur with Dundee United. After well, the boys went away to Trinidad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right after the season finished, I was away with the Scotland team. Uh, under twenty ones or something, uh, and I refused to go. I said, "I'm not. I'm not coming, Gaffer." He took all the boys away and had a great time. Came back, uh, and when I think we had about three or four days training at Tannis, we went away to Kuala Lumpur to play. They were opening a new stadium. Uh, Bayern Munich were playing mm. Senegal or some, and it was honestly it was three thousand degrees. Mm. It was. 100% humidity mm. so Gordon Wallace took us out we literally got the bus at 6 o'clock in the morning we drove to the training ground and we waited for the sun to pop up as soon as it popped up we were out in training 
when Stubby was out in the training ground laying cones down in the dark it was that hot mm -hmm. we trained and I'm not what anybody says when it's 100 odd degrees 100% humidity you're knackered before you get going yeah so we train in the boys for the belt for that no you didn't, <laughs> didn't get that weather in Fife <laughs> yeah. um, we trained in the morning and then we'd go out say at five o'clock with maybe an hour's daylight left and we'd train it it was even hotter then and the standard was poor we went and played in the games done alright in the games but came back got beat a couple of pre-season games and you could sense us <sighs> yeah, it's going to be about September, October before we get our game our match legs no because we've done too much because we've not done enough and we mm -hmm. went and played at Easter Road the first game and got an absolute chasing mm -hmm. and uh, it's okay lads. it's the first game and then we got a chase in the next game again <sighs> and then you, you start to think oh what's happening here and before you realise it I said we're a bit of a problem with the with the boys and mentality. You know, we're all good players. We've won a cup, um, but it means nothing when you've to play next season in the league. So start from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Because you went through. I mean, going in these seasons, you know, you win a Scottish Cup, then get relegated, then we've got the playoffs, yep. which was just a, a a mad turn of the year. But that year we got uh, relegated. We never done it. We never brought in enough players either. We brought in about three players. Well, that, you know, was, that was a criticism at the time. The players we did bring in were players that we didn't know. Yeah. Ivan knew. Um, and without being disrespectful to them, they weren't a Scottish or, or players that were had played in the the Scottish league before. Yeah. What players did we bring in? Uh, Ristich come in. Oh, yeah. Well, he yeah. played Dundee. Did we sign him? They were Dundee. Your favourite no, goalie, Kelmo Hanlon, came in. Jesus. But that was no wonder, because the goalie we had in the first game was hopeless. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Because that was all, because Guido Henrik. was saying... Uh, Henrik, wasn't it? Guido wasn't yeah, signing Henrik. the deal. Alan May was really Guido went injured. away home. Yeah, Guido went away home. Uh, Henrik came, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. Yep. He played, and he played. He had a beast the first game, and that was him. He was finished, really. Ah, he was done. But we never signed enough players that had enough kudos in yeah. terms of how to play in the league. Mm-hmm. And um, we suffered, you know. The thing is, the fo we then get relegated, and then we go and sp spend like three a quarters of a million on Stephen Presley yep. for a relegated team. Like, it wouldn't happen now. We've said that loads of times. Quarter but a million on Sandy Robertson. Uh, same deal, I think. And I haven't even yep. seen him kick a bar. Yeah. But I mean, that's a real. I mean, you talk about highs and lows in football. That's some roller coaster. Few but seasons. I think the club. Well, this is me. I, I, this is my mentality. I think the club got to a certain stage in the season that they maybe realised that things were going to go to or could go tits up mm. but I think they were brave enough to go and spend money to stop it going tits yeah. up yeah. or they didn't have the money to spend mm -hmm. and then the next year they realised they have to do something uh, and we've bought players mm. um Spent a lot of money. Coil and that's came as well. Coil, Coil and McSwiggard did we sign McSwiggard? I think some of them were freebies though. Yes, uh, but Presley, Ali Maxwell, Sandy Robertson, Gary McSwiggan, Coil, Ray McKinnon. They were there was uh, a lot of guys. Back. No, a lot of guys left. Mm -hmm. that, the season we got relegated. Yeah. Uh, big, 
big two, uh, Craig Brewster left. There was a few guys that just well, she went disappeared. You know, was Ali Maxwell ostracised by you guys for, for his <laughs> antics five years it's previous? Right. He got belters because there was nothing, there was nothing wrong with him. He was rolling a bit like a banshee. Clark, he said that as well. Yeah, he does right. that. How could you do that with your ruptured spleen? Oh, you couldn't. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but that was the thing. It was it was one of them. But when we got went doing it, was it was crazy. Like when we were or coming up, it was just. But obviously, the season we were down. You know, we lost Billy McKinley, lost Gordon Petrich. Especially McKinley. I mean, I mind being at Dens that day, but we sign off with a hat trick was brilliant, phenomenal. Um, Sergio, mind him, saw him play at Tynecastle. Mm-hmm. He was all right, but he was again, right. no, he wasn't. He was not a Scottish football player. Again, uh, part of the thing as well <laughs> that the guys never really trained. Never the foreigners that came in didn't train how we trained or wanted to train. Uh, they had their own sort of thing. Mm. They never mixed with the boys. Nah. You know, they were going for a sleep when we were going for a pint. Yeah. <laughs> when we were going home, they were going for a pint. <laughs> uh, uh, the teams that had done well with us, we were never never massive drinkers. Nah. There was a few that drunk well, but we were close, all close as a team. By that time, there was wee, there was wee cliques. It was, was fragmented every place. Uh, and the atmosphere wasn't the same. Yeah. What was it like, like the years after that? When did you did you keep signing these extra year deals, or did you get to a time that you were? Because the season before you played like forty games or whatever before the season well, you actually I, finished. I just kept on playing. I wasn't. I was quite lucky. I, I mm. played and trained. I trained when I wanted to train. Mm-hmm. I was getting bored with my pelvis at the time, so I would play on a Saturday and couldn't really walk that well till Wednesday or Thursday. Mm. I would do a bit of training with the first team and then play on the Saturday. Mm. And I'd started taking the reserves at the time, so if I wasn't training with the first team, I'd go and take the reserves and maybe join in. Without blowing your trumpet, you could walk through a a training session with the reserves. Mm. Uh, So... That was how I got through it and just kept on playing and kept on playing and kept on playing and kept on playing. Mm. Still got a bus for a Saturday. You transitioned to a sweeper as well, did that you? Was, well, I, Ivan didn't fancy him as a fullback. He says, I want you to play here or play there. I said, whatever you want. <laughs> so he had Big Gordon, didn't he? And uh, Big Welshie who were a bit nomadic <laughs> in terms of their positions in the pitch. So I just went and played behind them and... Mm. Uh, I, I always quite I, liked it. I maintain, like when Stephen Presley, he, he's obviously a decent player, but I thought that he improved by playing alongside you when he was at Tannadice. I'm adamant about that. In the same way that Gary Kenneth was a no bad player, but he got better playing beside Andy Webster. I think if you get a player that's up and coming, mm. half decent, Elvis had went for Rangers to uh, Coventry and oh. they played a few games. Uh, was a bit naive and I was at the stage in my career uh, I didn't want to run at any stage of my career but <laughs> uh, I didn't really want to run so I made my I made a career to try to get myself in the be- best position I could in the right positions and I found it strange that people couldn't get in their positions mm-hmm. so I was just on it I was on Elvis with, you know if the ball was getting close into your box 
you're chest shooting them be square onto the ball, you shoot a bit of an angle and that kind of stuff will bore people. I used to honour them all the time. Uh, and the motto was, thou shall not pass. If, you, if it was a 1v1, the, the ball might, might, might have went past you. Or the player might have went past you, but the two of them didn't go past you at the same time. And that mm-hmm. was that was a mentality. Elvis thought that one and one tackle to ten was good. <laughs> well, you have to win every tackle, mm-hmm. you know. So sometimes the best thing is not to tackle and see what happens. Um, and I, I was by that time I was writing on the coach, and I so that they would get taken out in the afternoon, and I would. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a pop at them, I would show them what I was trying to say to them. Mm. I could pick bits out of games and they could remember it because I'd been born to their face. Mm-hmm. Can and this, I remember this during the game, this is what, what do you think? And just get, I found that the easiest way of coaching. Can get me scenarios that we played in the game, I could take them into a training uh, scenario. And some of them developed and some of them. And then you started letting them take a bit of coaching. Well, what would you do here? And Elvis was one of the ones who the penny dropped quite quickly with Elvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you. I think playing alongside you definitely, definitely helped his career progress. No doubt in my opinion. Well, he's he done a bit more running when he was playing with me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> going in your final season, did you know it was going to be your final season? Yeah. Uh, I had. There are a couple of spells in my career I never enjoyed playing. No, I hated playing the first the first division after we got relegated. Mm. I hated that season. I um, struggled. Never enjoyed it. Uh, it was my, it was Gordon Wallace that got me through that season. We were coaching, he's coaching. He, um, he took me. I took the, the kids in the afternoons and Stubby would come and he got me engrossed in the coaching. I sort of forgot about my worries playing. Uh, and then I remember the season before I finished we played at Parquet and got an absolute doing for a bunch of kids for, for, for Celtic and I'm saying was, and our team were in the born of us. I said what am I doing here get mm-hmm. on pensioner getting battered could hardly walk for a three or four days and then um, Alex Smith came and asked me, do I want to keep on playing? And I, I knew Alec because I'd been with Alec with under 21. She was under 21 coach when I started coaching there. So I says, I'll be honest, Alec. I, I want to be selfish. I want to play in a good team. I think I could play in a good team. I'm struggling to play in a bad team. So I never really played for a wee while. And then I remember we had a practice game on the Tanadice and I, they were a, a, a body short. So I played and I played midfield. And Alec said to me after it, you playing midfield for me on Saturday? I says, Alec. And that time I was about 90. <laughs> Didn't know what to run. He's, and it, we went to uh, Tynecastle. And we won the game. Played midfield. So I played a couple of other times in midfield. For him. And then we Luggy came and Luggy, I said to Luggy, I said, ah, not very sure if if this is what I want and by that time I was well into the coaching mm-hmm. and I sort of just fell away went with the first team on a Saturday obviously and uh, coached uh, done the warm ups and that 
And then the penny dropped one day. I said to Maria, I said, nah, far enough. And just stopped. Mm. Panicked a wee bit. What am I going to do? I had a couple of thoughts with wee Jim. He was in the, he had released me a couple of times as a coach as well. <laughs> um, what was it like working under or working with Luggy then as a, when he was the boss rather than just a teammate? Oh, well, you had your, in the, the office, you could say what you liked to him. Mm-hmm. But obviously when you were in, in the public domain, you had to be, you, you had to, you, you had to be given his place. I got in fine with Luggy as a player. I got in fine, a great one as a coach. I got, John Blackwell was fantastic when he came to the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sloop was the, the coach. And I sort of tagged on with him. Um, I would take a bit of the passing in the mornings and then he would take the possession. I would join in the possession. I would have done the passing, I'd join the possession. And then Milog, he would come up at the end. And Milog, he used to go to the Violet for his breakfast. Uh, a couple of... You know, just what you needed, eh, mere food. He would go for a couple of bacon rolls or a couple of uh, black pudding rolls and coffee and some brown milk. And he would come up to the training at the end and take the game, take the tactical bit of the training. It was really good. Boys loved it. I enjoyed it. But that was how it went. I would take the first bit of training. Sloop would take the, the possession bit of the training that you took into the game. Um, that was it. Uh, I enjoyed it. And obviously, when we Luggy came back, he... With me, me knowing him, uh, it was easier for us to to socialise as well. So we end up, you know, a couple of nights a week, you went for a couple of pints and Sloop was there and you discussed not so much tactics, but things that are happening at the club or players. I would travel, me and John Blackwell used to travel down south every Tuesday and watch games, stay overnight, come back on a Wednesday. Uh, so it was stuff like that. So I, that was me finished playing really. Mm-hmm. and into the coaching stuff I'd coach with wee Jim I'd been sent on trips every every end of every season we used to go to the English playoffs myself, Luggy and Dave Ewan who was a scout who was based in Liverpool he knew everybody so he would his company had a, a flat bang in the middle of London so me and Luggy and Dave used to fly down and go and watch the playoffs on the Saturday, Sunday. I never went to the Monday because we couldn't afford, afford the football on the Monday. <laughs> never mind the player. We uh, Jim would send me down to watch players. They sent me to watch a player in Rosenberg. I'll never forget it. Turned up at the stadium. Uh, and there was, there was a Roy, English managers. Graham Soonis was there. because I knew Graham for for playing with the Scotland team. So he pushed the boy aside to him and I went, he says, sit there. What are you here for? I said, well, I'm not here to watch the game. <laughs> so I'm here to watch a player. And he told me what player it would be. Oh, you're right. He says, that, that's Phil Rowe here. We're here watching him as well. <laughs> I said, well, I'm just away up the road. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Had a few trips. I've got, I'm not very sure if I actually recommended a player at Wee Jim bought or took. <laughs> uh, but I'd done that. I say, stop it, eh, Gordon Wallace. Uh, he was great with me when I first started doing that. He'd never done it before. But what did I do, Stubby? You know, and he'd sort of a tick list again. Mm-hmm. Can Wee Jim and what he can. So, what type of boys he does he do? He's warm up. 
I can't have a wasn't there for a warm up. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to he says that type of these days warm up, did you spent is there and you got a bit of a mental picture, oh, okay, aye. and you went back up and told told me German we German say I don't know. Uh, and then after we luggy it was we Tam came. Caught on great with him. Uh, nothing. It could be a crab at we shite, but uh, <laughs> far far more far more humour to him. His coaching was great. Uh, because it, it was on it was how I was brought up as a coach mm-hmm. and it was quite basic you get, get the ball for one air at the pack to the next air of the pack to the next air of the pack and then balls in the box that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I loved that um, and then uh, he left who came after we Tom oh I can't even mind Kirk Good, no? No, he was what before. It? So it was Ivan. Oh, was it? No, was it? No, we luggy came after Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It was. I think you might be right there, actually. Yeah. We, we Tom and that had played in the reserves a few times, but. We Tom brought the Scandinavians. I say, yeah. We had all them, eh? Yeah, that was fun. And then after, after that, it was. I think when we luggy got. Alex Smith took Smith. over for Luggy, yeah. Right. So, after uh, they had all left, it was Heggie was ter- caretaker manager and my, my friend, Eddie Thompson, um, he came in and he bombed us. He told us one thing and then done another thing. Uh, and I left the club and just refused to go back for umpteen years mm. I'd go back and watch games because I I got Dan Macked in like, uh, October or something and big big Terry Butcher had been training at Tannis when we Tam was manager and I got in well with Terry so I was in at the coaching so I would go and help him coach uh, and we got really pally uh, he went to Motherwell Eric Black was manager Eric left Terry became the manager Terry Terry got in touch with me, he says, you fancy coming down for a, a, an interview? So me and the wife went away down to Terry. Terry and Rita's interview was how many pints you could drink and still talk. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I joined Motherwell and I would go back to Tannadise to watch games, to watch players, but I wouldn't have got to Tannadise for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eddie Thompson, I used to try and avoid like the play because I just lost all respect for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been at Tandy's for 20, nearly 25 years and I got told to c- collect my stuff and, and, get, and black bags uh, get to the ground and my dad never missed me um, when I he seen me walking out the club with a black bag mm-hmm. a black poly bag mm. and he says that's a disgrace he says 25 years you think you'd have Mary yourself to, to say you, you're not leaving mm. and that, uh, that circumstance um, so I never Never went near Tandy's, never done it, never went to any functions, got asked to go to functions, but um, I'll be fair now, if Tandy's went in fire at that time, I, w- I wouldn't have spat in it. Mm-hmm. And United was my life, you know, it's my club. I supported the films as a kid, but United, my club, 25 years of 
uh, sweat and blood I gave him and enjoyed it and to be taken away in the manner that it did hurt me um, I had to fight to get my money and all that kind of stuff it's not about that now but uh, I just it just sickened me for Tani so mm. I just refused to go back yeah every right to win it stuff like that um Hall of Fame, is that maybe the next time you even went? I mean, 2008? Yeah, I went because I wasn't going to go. But my wife says, you've... You're also a decent you're company. Going. You're going. There was a few no bad players there that night, but uh, just I was still struggling mm. with Taranis yeah. at the time. Yeah. yeah. She made me go. Well, she didn't make me go. She said, you're better <laughs> going. And she said, you're going and you're done. The rest of the players, the ex-players, gave me a hard time. Aye. So I eventually went. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a bad uh, year for that. Jimmy Briggs, Finn Dawson, Dennis Gillespie, Paul Hegarty, Morris Maltbus, Dave Neary and Doug Smith. I went in uh, that particular year. <laughs> <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> probably went to that. It's probably ah, the he was there, last he was there. <laughs> <laughs> last day he went to him. Um, <laughs> uh, some questions to, to finish off are more about uh, the more fun side, hopefully, of football. Um Best player you played with? With? Yeah. Uh, best player I've played I've been in the park with was Kenny Dalgleish. Best defender I've played with was Big David Neri. Mm. <laughs> I've quoted that a few times. To only get 38 caps. That was, that was my was, next question. Was, like how, was, how has that happened? It was just a bit. But that was again Big Davey as quiet boy, he didn't push himself. And Jim McLean, as our manager, never never pushed us. And he never pushed us in the to the manager of the international team. Mm-hmm. We Jim was happy for you to go. He was delighted you went to the Scotland squads and that. But um he wasn't shouting the rooftops like Alec Ferguson did about uh, Wally and uh, Big Alec. Um Big Sash was in front of them for me. Mind Big Sash at Motherwell away in the 94 season. We've said that loads of times. Yeah. But he was but when Brian Welsh put it in, we stand in front. He, he was in midfield that night. Yeah. He was yeah, brilliant that night. Big Sash has played just about every position. Yeah. Oh. I hate asking about that kit. I, I like asking the players that had to wear that marble kit. Was that it was a, something you were? That was a bestseller. We love it. I love it. But a lot it love splits it. opinions. That was a bestseller, apparently. And I, I remember that year I went away on holiday and. <laughs> There was a few folk on the beach with it mm-hmm. didn't support Dundee United. They just, they just thought it was a topper of a top. That's a cracker. That's a cracker, uh, yeah. That's Andy McLaren didn't like it, did he? Nah, wasn't no, wasn't that fun. But no, but we we love it. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. Uh I think I think we know the answer. That's the most difficult team that you've fished. Like you said, that was probably the France. Well, it's a it's certainly an international uh, level. It's the best the best team I've played against. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of the club game, the best team I've pl- played against, that's a difficult one. Um, you probably... Werner's... Hey, Werner's like, uh, Werder Bremen are probably one of the best teams we played against. Mm-hmm. And we beat them. We got battered. We beat them. Um, I think that... Um that France team I might have a lot to answer for. Best player you ever came up against, be it for United or Scotland? The hardest player I played against, uh, or two of them, was um, 
Coop, David Cooper. Mm. I came where he was going, but I couldn't get there before him, which was annoying at times. <laughs> and I got on real well with him because of the Scotland squad. Mm. We had uh, we played at Tannadice one day and I got a nosebleed for him. Honestly, he turned me inside out. I didn't care <laughs> if my jersey was on the right way or what. <laughs> and uh, we're walking off together, sort of arm in arm. He did at that time. And a ticket blew past and Coop bent down and picked up and he says, there's, there we man, there's a ticket to get back in. <laughs> actually, actually bought a game of it. Uh, uh, so I used to have a few tussles against him. International-wise, Ruth Hewlett's probably the, the toughest I've played against. Mm. Um, when we got to uh, Sweden with Scotland in 92, Ruth Hewlett had been injured for months. Come back, he obviously then the the Dutch squad, big hero, and uh, Andy Roxburgh and that said to me, you know, he's he'll struggle fitness. He'll no last long in the game. So you'll have to make sure you give him one. Okay. Usual story. Uh, right early in the game, I mean early in the game, the boys pinged out to him and he takes a bad touch and that's a red rag to a bull to me. I said, Oh yeah, beauty. <laughs> I remember going charging at him and I whacked him. But it was me that fell. Honestly, it was like hitting a brick wall. Yeah. I'm going, oh no, I've got umpteen minutes of this to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was a big man. Thankfully, mark. once I got into it, I played well against him and he went off. But he's probably the, the hardest I've played against. Physically, you couldn't intimidate him. Verbally, he wouldn't understand what a wee Pfeiffer was saying, so I was beat. <laughs> uh, but that's the one in... That's probably the ones played against the boy Lantini. Uh, I can't remember how many millions he was. It was. He was the world record yeah, transfer fee at the time. Him at 13 Ibrox, million or um, something. We played Scotland against Italy and he played in. Uh, it was, I, I, I could say it's a firm, a firm tackle. I went up for a ball and I headered it, but I so hardened I headered him as well. And <laughs> I got classes being dirty. But he was one of the ones that. You know, his reputation went before him. Andy Roxborough was concerned about him. And he says, make sure you hit him. Uh, well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, that was expected. Yeah, it was, that was, you'd uh, intimidate your, op your opponent. Uh, if I go back, the hardest player to play against was Ralphie at training. Mm -hmm. uh, he was quick. Go both ways past you. Uh, so if he, if you seen his backside, you knew you'd never get back to him. So uh, you were, you were <laughs> bit, he was he was a bit special, but sometimes you couldn't be bothered. <laughs> right, the, the next question. It's uh, I like to bring it up a lot because I can remember it. Ronnie probably knows so much uh, for all the good players that we had at Tanadice in a, in the eighties. How were we so hopeless at the ten and sixes mm -hmm. every year? You scored an absolute peach in any of the games. Uh, I was. I was I've one of the ones. On I was one of the ones that uh, never got asked to go to ten and sixties. I got told, mm. and I just went down and played all the time. Um, Dundee United never. I'm not saying we never took it seriously, but we didn't take it seriously. It was. Do you want to go? It was a fun. It was meant to be um, a fun competition, though, was it? And nah, what happened is, it was me, a couple of other boys for Dundee, and a couple of boys for Glasgow. And, Let's turn up and see what we got on. Mm -hmm. It was nothing too serious, thankfully. Yeah. 
uh, had Dundee won it and they yeah. still go on about it, so it must have been a serious uh, I thought, thing. I thought that's what they're bumming out of. Don't get worried about it. That was an interesting competition, that was for sure. Uh, best and worst grounds you've played at? Best is uh, Eindhoven. Mm. And it's only stadium I've played, I can only say. Uh, it was a bowling green. I mean, a bowling green. I've played in pitches that have been fantastic going to World Cups and that. Um, but PSV was fantastic. It was a bowling green and they had the big heaters in the front of the stands. It was mm-hmm. glorious to play under. We won 2 0 that night, yeah. Yeah, like Vander Kirchhoff brothers played that night. But that's that was a stadium that hit me straight away. I was just a young boy and that stuck with me. Uh, I played in bigger stadiums, obviously, but. No, that, that's got to be the one that I really honestly can say I, I can remember um, and I would say that's the best pitch I've played on mm-hmm. and the worst and you can't say Dens the worst. they won the league there <laughs> the worst I'll go back and say it. well we went to Winterslag and played and uh, we couldn't do our warm up on the pitch but there was a 20 piece band got to walk up and <laughs> down the pitch by the time we got on it was just a mud heap uh, that wasn't a very nice pitch. Some of the pitches abroad playing in the winter were poor. What about the Gothenburg pitch? Uh, that was just uneven. That was ah. that was a concert on before it. But, um, Can, do you know when that concert was played? And the reason I ask you that is because the, the story is always, that was Bruce Springsteen gig that ruined the pitch. And for years we thought that. And that might actually be the case. But we went back and looked. That gig was two years prior to that game. No, it wasn't a Bruce Springsteen though, was it? Done the gig, was I, it? No. no, that's just what we found because no I can't mind too. We spoke about spoke to it. Was it no or something? We were no, desperate to him, find the answer. There was a, I think the concert was on fortnight before or something. I'd, I'd happily blame Rod Stewart <laughs> if we could. Um, before Paul asks you the final question, I've never actually touched on this. What was your Dundee Derby experiences like? I kept on winning. It was shocking. <laughs> yes, you scored in one. A very entertaining one night, one Monday night at, uh, at Dens. I scored an OG and then scored a goal after it. <laughs> and I went away with the under 21s. We had qualified for some tournament. Uh, and we had went through, we played at Dens. Ian Ferguson was playing at, at, at Dundee at the time. Marcel, Big Goffey, and Fergie, we jumped in the, in the car and drove to Glasgow. Uh, stopped for a pint. And then turned up at the the airport hotel quite late at night, and uh, big Jock was there and asked us how our pint was. <laughs> he knew exactly where we had <laughs> been in that, but he was giving me a bit of stick because I scored an OG and scored for United as well, because uh, I was obviously no fame for my goals. <laughs> fame for a few OGs or an OG at Airdrie, um, standing in the front post, and I swung it. How clear it go in. I missed it and I hit my stand the leg and phew, right in the top corner. What did the goalie say to you? Oh, it wasn't too happy. And we either way, Jim, because that night was a wicked night. Um, and we'd run out of players to take penalties. So I was on the penalties. And I remember Jock Martin was a goalkeeper at Airdrie. And, uh, and I took the penalty. And he saved the spot or the divot. He got up and run across his goals and saved the ball. 
<laughs> I took that much a dive at. The ball was not going to get to the goal. It was a wicked night. It was a muddy, muddy pitch. Was that the old Broomfield? Yeah, uh, yes. I was going to say that's one of the worst pitches to play on as well. But uh, and by God, did I get pelters for we gym after the game? You never ever will take a penalty again. And I remember on the, the next Saturday, it was uh, who's doing the penalties today? And I knew if I didn't put my hand up, I'd get stuck. And if I did put my hand up, I'd get stuck. So I put my hand up. And he went through me like a dozy socks. <laughs> and I didn't care who was praying the most that we never got a penalty that day, me or Ouija. <laughs> what, did, what did you think when the goalie was taking the penalties? Oh, panic. Yeah. Well, it's all or nothing. Well, we got. Uh, I was, scorer belays it into the stand. Yeah, I was, just, I was just a young buck, and it was. Uh, you got told if. Hamish misses it. Somebody had to go and stop the goalkeeper for kicking up the park. Mm -hmm. So it was a booking. Okay, and us defenders needed, didn't need bookings at that time. Uh, so you all took your turn. And the goalie... The goalie sprinted at half pace. Okay, it was a long <laughs> way for him to run. Um, <laughs> and you used to run in the corner as you came back to... There's the clips on the uh, in the Jim McLean years that got published like years and years ago in like a VHS, and you see him just trodding up at the old Ibrox, popping it in the bottom corner, and just trodling his oh, way no, back no, to no, the no. goal. It's, like, it's just incredible stuff. Yeah, but we've already met. What a man he is, indeed. What a man. Uh, and and the last question, you, you've been kind enough to give a couple of hours here, Morris. Uh, how do you sum your time up at Dundee United? Well, in terms of enjoyment, I loved it. I had 20, I'll say 20, as good as 25 years. Played, played at the top. Obviously, I played in Europe. I got myself a Scotland Cups, been to two World Cups, been to the uh, European Championships with my club, with my country, I mean, but through my club. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a lot to... A lot of people to thank, I mean, obviously Jim McLean and my dad and Gordon Walsh and that. Uh, but probably the biggest thank you to give is all the players I've played with. The really good players, the Nairies, the Sturrocks, the Hegarys and that. Uh, I've been lucky to play with some fantastic players, done some fantastic things. Had a lot of heartache with losing so many cups. Um... But I would never ever say there was never a, ever a time at Tannadice that I honestly didn't want to be there. Um, I, I get criticised a lot because I never moved in south. Um, I never really had the the final say in it. You know, the story is Howard Kendall. I met Howard Kendall in the under twenty one game. I was Scotland coach at the time. Uh, he was. Everton manager at the time and he said to me you know, he was dis disappointed I never come to Everton when he was there I said I never never knew he says oh you did and he had spoken to wee Jim and wee Jim had said I'll speak to Morris and get back to you and uh, wee Jim had phoned Howard back and said Morris doesn't want to come but I never got I, I never got involved in that the only time I was involved in anything at all transfer wise was the Rangers one and that was I got a phone call for what he, he, I'm going to sign you um, going and see with Jim in the morning went and seen with Jim in the morning with Jim says well if they if they give me what we want you can go um, 
I went away home, spoke to Watty, Watty says that'll get done the day. Nothing got done that day. Went the next day, we Jim says, You're not going. Uh, I'll get lynched if I sell you. And they're no paying what I want. Because I spoke to Watty, so I says, That's not true. <laughs> so it was a bit of a humdinger. And that's the only time I've really been involved in a transfer. And uh, we Jim says, If you want to go, you have to walk out. And I said, I'm not walking it. He says, We do it properly. People said I should have just walked it and said that we Jim forced you, but. I was never like that. I was straight down the middle. I say I love my time at Tardis. I've known to be sorry for it, Tardis, apart from well, no, the sorry's the wrong word. I've nothing to be, you know, down about Tardis. I lost a few cup finals, but you're better to have played in a cup final and gained than no played in them. Mm-hmm. So for me, after a fantastic career I've seen some parts of the world you wouldn't see normally some parts of the world you wouldn't want to see again but for me uh, apart from making a lot more money maybe going to a bigger team than South we didn't gain much Mm -hmm. England English teams weren't in Europe at the time when I was probably at your pomp so why would I want to move I got to a stage had two kids didn't want to move them uh, maybe go, became too comfortable. Uh, I had all my cake and eating it. You know, I was getting to coach. I was getting to play. I knew I would play. I was getting to coach. I was learning about the scouting system and all that kind of stuff. I got the work. So, you know, people say you're at Tannis for 24 years as a player. I was there you know, 24 years as a player. I coached since 90. We gym. Asked me if I'd take the uh, S forms with Kenny Cameron. And I did, I enjoyed it. I went and done my badges, done my badges quickly, rapid through them because I was a nationalist and coached ever since then. So I'd done everything. So I've no missed anything mm-hmm. by staying at Tandy. I said, apart from maybe a few quid, but money doesn't bother me. Um, had a great time, met some fantastic people, uh, some fantastic players. Still mates with a lot of them as well. Well, we are thick as thieves. The team that, the team that won the league, that that sort of era, you know, we, well, I, we see each other often. You know, we go and play golf down with him and um, in Edinburgh. Uh, I still see Kirky and I golf every week with David Airy and Hamish, and I see Holt a lot and Heggy a lot and Dodsey a lot because we go to the games at Tannadice. Um See Raymond Stewart. He comes to up. Sometimes they see to see the team. Uh, you know, John Riley's a social convener at times. He gets <laughs> he organises uh, nights out. Clarky comes up. Uh, Derek Murray comes up. You know, the Derek starts of this world. Uh, Derek Addison. So we have a ball on the social side of it now. Uh, but I can't. There's nothing for me to criticise about Tandys. The big picture of things. Wanna watch Wee Boy for Fife. Was told with them film manager at the time that I would never be a football player, I was too wee. Been told by a few people that were probably never a good player because I was too wee or too slow or whatever. I wasn't big enough. Couldn't heed it, but many of Tandys got on with it. Eight hundred and thirty games later. Fifty odd Scotland Cup. Fifty odd Cup. Player of the years. Yep. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I say there wasn't a 
apart from a couple of times when I was struggling near the end of my career, there wasn't a time I could honestly say, no, this is, this is, this isn't for me, there's no enjoyment. Um, so if you get 25 years of enjoying your work, done well. I've won a watch. So mm-hmm. I never got a watch right enough, but I've won a watch. <laughs> <laughs> Morris Malpa, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Loved it, lads. Thanks. So I can't say it was anything other than an absolute pleasure to speak to Super Mo. And uh, he, I've got to say also, he wasn't overly comfortable with me calling him Super Mo. So I had to call him Morris or Mo during the, the conversation that we had with him. But he was absolutely fantastic. Yet again, it shouldn't be any surprise to us, Rondo, but he's one of these guys that came up, stood on the Hegarty pile. We got him again. Hegarty came up. I was needing the carpet, got the carpet. Before Malpass was coming up, my bloody fridge packed in. So I've now got the Malpass fridge in the kitchen as well. So I'm uh, I'm redoing the house and I'm naming it after United Legends. But he was so humble again. Uh, some great stories. Some some of them uh, that involved the goalie. But unbelievable. Like getting getting your ribs broke for the keeper and then he throws his mattress <laughs> the windy, uh, things like that. That's... And you didn't you didn't think that high jinks like that were taking place under the stewardship uh, of wee gym, but but there you go, you know. And, and I'm sure that he also said when he was walking back into the hotel, <laughs> wee Smartis under his arm, like Jim had a go and said hey, he shouldn't have been a cheeky so and so or something like that. So it was an absolute pleasure to speak to Malpas, uh, Mister Consistency. I'm not sure how much you can remember him, Rondo. I didn't seem to remember him ever having a bad game. And he, he essentially just broke it down. He was saying, look, when I was playing football, my job was to stop crosses. Like, just, just stop crosses. Just stop the man getting past you. He, he made it sound simple. He, when he left my house that night, I thought, I reckon I could do it. Like, I reckon I've still got the capabilities of stopping somebody crossing a bar or just getting past us. Obviously, I can't. I'm absolutely hopeless at anything that I try a day in life. But Mr. Malpass was phenomenal. Uh, one of the all-time greats for United. There's no question about that. And uh, I, I just can't speak highly enough of him and thank him enough for his time. And you were, we were saying after it as well that um, that's two out of the top three most appearances that we've now had on. And he also yeah. um, confirmed afterwards, we have yeah. absolutely no fucking chance of getting to yeah, yeah. And I think that's a direct quote that Ronnie just yeah, said. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. But it was great. And then we actually, we were working this out, weren't we? A couple of weeks. Because it was a few, good few weeks ago now we spoke to him. Um, that out of the top 20 of people who are still with us, uh, I reckon we've done half, haven't we? Something like that. I think so. Seven yeah, I think 14 so. or something like that, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. But just uh, just a generally nice guy who uh, who seemed to enjoy himself and again just so laid back and relaxed and he was part time a part timer won the won the league like part time for the first four years or something was he unbelievable was, unbelievable unbelievable Cap for his country as a part timer absolutely brilliant stuff um, on this day in association with the Arab Archive preserving the history of Dundee Football Club since two thousand six. The 11th of July is our focus today, and it's a bit of a signing special. Six to go through. First up, though, happy 44th birthday to podcast pal, Hasnail Joffrey. Hasnail, hey, we were speaking about him through the week on the Man United podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, happy so, birthday. So, I can't believe he's, he's younger than me, but there you go. About a week? By a year. I bet. It's your birthday this week, is it? 
Uh, it is, but I'm 45, so. Uh. I was giving you, you kudos that you were only 43, but. Oh, nah, nah, I'm all the fours just now. Soon to be 4 5. Nightmare. Can uh, You getting your dumps? I hope no. No on this back. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be it for me. 150 episodes and out. <laughs> Hospitalised <laughs> on his birthday. Back still serve for carrying your relationship. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Signings then. Six to get through. I'll tell you the year. I'll tell you who they are, and you could tell us if they're a hit or miss in your opinion. Mm. Nineteen ninety-one, Guido Camp. No, oh, it's a hit. He's a cup winning legend. It's got to be a hit. Nineteen ninety-four, David Craig. It's no. It's no a hit. That's <laughs> no a hit. He, he couldn't have played that many times for United. He really couldn't. I, I can remember when he came in, he came in for some, a weird team anyway, East Fife or something like that. Uh, nah, he, he wasn't the worst player I've ever seen, but he, he wasn't He wasn't great. Far uh, from being great. Nine appearances, one goal. Nine appearances, too many probably, but there you go. He lived the dream nine times. What did he get? <laughs> 2003, double done, Al. Derek McInnes was the first hmm. one. Uh, I can't say it was a hit. I, th- I think saying a miss is a wee bit, it's a wee bit harsh though. He was just, it was just, it wasn't a great time. But in the middle, to be at United, uh, it was, uh, it was whatever I mean, it was. But I think he was on about three appearances, well, you know? eighty-three appearances. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And he came in and he probably set good standards off the park and whatever. But Scored the world day, didn't he? He did in Billy Dodds's only yeah. game yeah. against Falkirk in the last minute as well. Yeah, absolute screamer. But nah, he's kind of nah. It's no hit or a miss, but it, there's no many fond memories. Joining him on this day in 2003, and I'll just tell you 132 appearances, 15 goals, Colin Samuel. Nah, I flattered to deceive. I think. It, I think we signed him on the back of him, Tern Hart's a new one when Falkirk played Hearts in the Scottish Cup, mm. bit them 4 0 and he scored a hat trick. And uh, uh he never really hit the heights for United. He always looked like he could do something and ultimately he didn't really do much, did he? Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say a miss. Sorry, Colin. Two thousand and eight spoke about at the live show with Peter Houston and Craig Conway. 43 appearances, 11 goals, signed on this day, 2008, Fran Sandaza. <laughs> Sandaza. Uh, I, liked, I liked Sandaza when he was here. I think he was very unlucky uh, with injuries and whatever. But I think, I suppose, if you're, if you're weighing it all up, it probably was Mero a miss. Uh, but it promised so much. It promised so much more. Uh, I can't believe he played that often and didn't score that many. Mm. He seemed to score against Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen. He scored against the bigger teams, but uh, he, he just, it's no, it, was, it certainly wasn't a success story his time at Tannadice, unfortunately. Let's save the best for last. Here we go. Signed on this day, 2019. Mm. Which means... <laughs> his deal would just be up this summer because he signed a three-year Adam King three-year deal nah that's I mean miss rhymes we piss 
and uh, that's kind of what his career at Tannadice was like. He didn't, he didn't really do anything for us, did he? He really didn't. Bowfing, stinking, almost as bad as his brother. <laughs> Can't wait till we wheel out Bitham for the next live show. <laughs> and and here, uh, uh, create a narrative where they're they're like Baggio. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Nah, they, they, they were—he was poor, and his brother was poor as well. And in different ways, they both managed to be absolutely bang average at best. Shame. Yeah, there was only yeah, a couple of friendlies to mention uh, the day we got beaten with them, so we just moved on. <laughs> okay. But that is it. What a guest we've had today, Super Mo himself. Amazing. Morris Malpass it's yeah. Uh, yeah into the action then next week we'll obviously be uh, discussing the Sunderland game looking ahead to the Fleetwood game hopefully I'll have a couple of signings to discuss as well and we might even get the loan report started maybe uh, well we've still got two I think Connolly's still on loan oh, uh, so you've ignored that then are we then no I've not ignored it I'm, I've kind of ignored it uh, but he's he's on loan. Well, just to give you a brief update, he was voted the Dundalk's Player of the Month last month, and I think he was in line for the League Player of the Month as well. I'm not sure if he got it or not. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that I can't exactly how their team's getting on. I've no looked, uh, but I would be surprised if that if that doesn't turn into like a permanent deal at some point. Uh, I think he's still got a season left with us, does he know mm-hmm. on his contract? Yeah, so I'd, I kind of see him coming back and. And getting again, but again, yeah, you never know. But I think he's probably went back home, he's quite settled, uh, and he'll continue to be part of the loan report until he's no. Indeed, indeed. We are at Dode Fox Podcast on social media. You can grab some merch, dodefoxpodcast.com. Have a great week, do stay safe, and don't forget to wash your hands and your arsehole. Hey.